WrestleMania 3, the biggest main event of all time. The heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, and the challenger, Hulk's former friend, Andre the Giant. When I saw him out there with Bobby the Weasel Heenan, I knew he was different. He's sick and tired of you and what you stand for. You're the one that for three years as world champion used this man. It can't be so, Andre. Listen to me, day one, man, when I set my eyes on you, brother, you're the reason I got into professional wrestling. You were like a god to me, a role model. You're the one that took me all the way from nothing to the world title. What are you doing here with him? I'm there for one reason, to challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 76. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, I apologize to you and our listeners as I was supposed to get the last episode out before I went on vacation. Turns out I didn't get it done until the day after I came back from vacation. In fact, I was editing on the airplane coming back. That's how lazy I was. It turns out when you're in New York City... If you're in New York City and you don't want to spend any money to travel, if you don't want to take a cab or a, take an Uber, if you want to do it on the cheap, you can get a subway card. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But if you choose to do one or two things, that's your whole day. Because the subway, while it is a beautiful system, it takes 
all day depending on where you're at. And you also, if you're not a local, you don't know which trains are fast, which are slow, which makes more stops than the other. If I walk a couple blocks over, is it faster than just taking the train closest to me? And so a lot of our time, like one night, we had a terrible night where we got out. And I, before we went out, it was a... It was a comedy show I went to. It was already an 11.30 comedy show, which is much later than Monica usually stays up. And I said, oh, well, we'll be back. We'll probably be back around 1, 2 in the morning. Uh, no, it was like 3-something in the morning because, <laughs> you know, as tourists in New York City, we're on our phones. And the phone told me to take this train to another train to transfer to this train. And so when I got to the transfer station... We both looked around and we were like, we don't see where this train connects. So we leave the station, go out into this giant, it's called Columbus Circle. And we're like, where is this train supposed to be? Then we go back down and we realize, oh, it's on the same track. Oh, but the train is 20 minutes away. And it's the train that stops every 10 blocks until our stop. So, yeah, it took forever. And so it was days like that where I was like, and I brought my laptop, which is a pain in the ass to go through TSA because... You know, this is the one thing. I, I, I don't want to make this about air, airport security. This is not the airport <laughs> security podcast. But, you know... The fans want to hear why about your vacation. Well, of course. Absolutely. I mean, Everyone's very interested. Everyone's on the edge of their seat. It is. I'm waiting for your robbery story from where you got robbed and mugged and all that. No, so. it turns out I didn't get robbed or mugged in NYC. There, there was some interesting interactions, but none of them were scary. But the... <laughs> Now, it turns out the subway is full of performers. I don't want to make this about airport security, but if you... It's so stupid how we do airport security. And I'm not saying that about plane safety. I understand. We all yeah. want to fly safe. Yeah. There's there's tons of things that can happen. Right. But, you know, in, our, in the history of our lives, there's been one man that put a, tried to put a bomb in a shoe. And now every time you go through airport security, you've got to take your shoes off. And I feel like that's, that's kind of unfair, you know. In the long term, you know... There was only one guy, and he failed at doing it. So why do why why do we all have to take our shoes off? Because now, there's going to be idiots try to follow in his footsteps. But no, there hasn't been, and I don't. That guy was unsuccessful too. If he was successful, I would totally that would sell me on the idea. Everybody shoes off from now on forever because one guy did it. That that guy wasn't even successful. Okay. Or the guy with the underwear. We don't have to take our underwear off to I, try to light it on fire. I see your point, but proceed. Okay. Now, so. The laptops, they used to be able, you, you could pack them in your bag and just that would scan through and they'd look at it and they'd say, okay, fine, you got a laptop or whatever. But now because they there there was some sort of anonymous threat a, a while ago about uh, overseas airlines being targeted with like laptop bombs. So now the laptop has to come out of the bag too. So now in addition to my, because I'm not checking any bags because the airlines charge for that. So now you carry everything on. So now I've got two bags, two little carry-on bags, but now I've got to take my laptop out. I've got to take my shoes out. I, br I bring my PSP. Anything bigger than a cell phone now also has to come out of the bag that's electronic. And so my PSP, which got me checked one time in Atlanta security, because <laughs> she just stared at it, and she was like, there you go, you can have your bag back now. But So that has to come out. So it, it's just a big hassle. So I brought this laptop. I went through all the hell of... Even at the Chattanooga airport, just taking that, it's an inconvenience. So, yeah. But I took it thinking, oh, I'm going to do some work while I'm up there. No, I didn't do that. Yeah. So I apologize. It was very nice because when I did publish our podcast, which was very dated by the time I published it, in fact, I had to cut some stuff 
because you and I, on our last episode, Stuff I Cut, we discussed about Rusev getting replaced in that match at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Well, they put him back in. Yeah. In in between that, that time and when I published it, so I cut that. But it, it was very refreshing, though, when I did finally publish it, despite having WrestleMania 34 review, you know, two weeks, <laughs> three weeks later... Yeah, it still immediately got like 35 listens like right off the bat so I'm very thankful uh, to the 35 listeners who just were waiting anxiously to hear what we thought about Dolph Ziggler's title win in 2013 and Wrestlemania 34 so uh, I, I did get it published but that's that's why that's what happens uh, that's what happens in New York in general like if you want to do something if you want to say I want to go to I want to go to the Empire State Building then just mark your day off. Like, you might be able to get one more thing in, maybe. Maybe. But it's going to take you all day. No matter if you're staying, even if you're staying directly across from the Empire State Building. I just have a feeling it's going to take your whole day. And there's a lot of walking, and... Yeah, as far as the... Uh, I didn't get mugged or any dangerous situations, but on the subway, there's a lot of street performers, and... Uh, on the subway, you have no choice to observe their street performance. And so the first one that happened, I was really scared at first because the guy takes his shirt off. And he kind of looks like Neville, and so he's jacked. But at first I was like, is he getting naked? This man's about to be, <laughs> this man's about to be naked in the subway car with me, which that's fine if you want to do that. I, you know, that's Keep the, your distance over there. Right. The rule of the subway is just stare off into the distance. Don't pay any attention. Don't look at anybody. Just mind your own business. But I was which still... Is, which is bad for me because I'm I'm the type of person. I'll stare down anybody. So. Yeah, but I was... So I was worried that I'd be on the subway. And I was on the slowest subway car. So I'm going to be 20 stops with this naked man. Uh, but no, it turns out he did like pole dancing. He did like Cirque du Soleil pole dancing on the subway pole. And he would want donations for it. And there were break dancers that came on there. There was a bongo player that came on there later on. Different days. But lots of street performers. You know, the bums... The bums. The the uh, homeless people, in quotation marks. People that hit you up for actual money. Not the people that, that street performers that just say, yeah. Yeah, if you got any money, whatever. They're not pushy like they are here. Like, people... Oh, here, they're... Yeah. Here and um, not when we went to New Orleans, but I went to New Orleans once when I was 19. No, I was I just turned 21. I went to New Orleans. Those people were very, very pushy. Like Oh, when, when we went, they were really pushy. I didn't run into any. I got hit. Well, you decided to take a taxi. I ended up making the walk to the, the arena, so... Yeah, well, they don't take no for an answer. But yeah, in New York City, no. they're very polite about it. Like, they just don't... If you don't even know... They just back off yeah and and i don't know what the difference is uh i guess there's just more volume maybe that they can do but so we didn't have any problems with that but. that's good i mean you didn't get shot you didn't get stabbed you didn't get robbed so. yes and the day before we left was when that southwestern flight had the engine explode oh man that and, poor woman bless i feel so sorry for oh, her family terrible. and her that's yeah to be and guess where one of my seats was coming back near the engine yeah. and like I that's all I thought about the entire time yeah. was like I really feel so sorry this for piece it. of an engine coming flying through double pane glass yeah that's... and then on top of it in top on top of her injury she was getting sucked out of the window because right. there's no pressure in the cabin anymore yeah, I, 
It was awful, and it happened the day before I, I got on a plane. I feel yeah. bad, but I, because I, it got so upsetting to me that I, I just quit paying attention to it, which I. Well, I know you've I, never flown, so I that do, doesn't I help do out. That, I do that at times when it comes to you know stuff like that, especially like national news or whatever. And so, did she actually end up making it, or did she? No, she passed away. But did she? Oh, see, that's so sad. That's. No, it's terrible, yeah. That, that's so horrible. And God forbid you take an animal on a plane with you nowadays. Dear God, they're going to end up in fucking Egypt or China, and you're going to be, like, heading to Florida. Well, and I mean, now, even even if you claim to have a service animal, there's all sorts of weird things they're doing with that now, so... You know what? I'm, I'll, I'll drive. I'll be good. I know, you're like John Madden. You're going to take a bus everywhere. I will. The The Patrick Young bus. The tour bus is coming to town. The Lex Express is now turned into the Stripes on Wheels. The DX Express now. Yeah. Well, as we head into May, what do you have for us from the news desk? So, just want to talk about it. Uh, we lost Bruno San Martino, who... 82 years old. Yeah. Uh, had been in poor health as of late. Had That news had not gotten out. So, no. um, because the last time we saw him, uh, was, he did that table for three with, uh, like, Randy Orton and Flair. Right. And that was probably taped a few years ago, but... It's funny you bring up WrestleMania 30. Um, when I was walking to the arena that day is when uh, I walked by and, and Scott Hall and uh, RVD and a bunch of them were walking out, and... I just, uh, they were going to get on the bus to go to the arena, and I was walking to the arena, and I was like, hey, you know, and Scott was like, hey, Patrick, you know, we just call it for a second. Anyway, here comes Bruno walking out, and that was the one and only time I ever got a chance to meet him, and I just shook his hand and, uh, you know, just told him, like, I really respect what you've done throughout the years, and you're, you really, you paved the way for, for people to, to live their dreams from overseas, and so, uh, that was really cool for me to, because it's not a man that you you normally see at like legend shows or at, you know, whatever these these like these Comic Con events or, he's not a guy that toured that much and so. Oh no, yeah. So for that one that one he was a guy that when he got out he was pretty he was much out done. Yeah. yeah and so for that one just that one five minute interaction between me and Bruno is all I've ever had which I know there are tons of people that's had a lot more, but um. It was cool just to be able to, and you you felt just in shaking his hand, you felt the grip of of how you know he really took his bodybuilding seriously. Um, because this show is strictly based towards Andre's documentary and WrestleMania three, we're going to do a another double episode next week to try to spend more time on Bruno. Because uh, it's, it's, this is not somebody you just want to overlook and move past. This is this is a career that you actually want to kind of in-depth and talk about for a good 30, 45 minutes. So, um, yeah, and I, I wanted to mainly watch the uh, network special that they had put it's, together. It's I'd heard great things about it. It, it sounded like it was going to be a DVD release or a, a main, a big production that they ha- unfortunately had to put out when he passed away, but... Uh, some of the stories about the uh, the Nazis lining up his family, getting ready to, to shoot his family and stuff. Yeah, and, and the, I mean, gun, the gun jams as he's like, 
I mean, the gun is pointing right. Yeah, his, his mom's his, telling him to, you know, it's okay, guys. Close your eyes and pray. Like I can't imagine living what he he went through. Well, yeah, it, it no, it's an outstanding. I look forward to us actually covering it next week. Um, one thing that I, I really, even before next week, that I I just want to say about Bruno. I mean, I think Bruno. I mean, we don't really need to sit here and explain. Who Bruno San Martino is, I don't think. Um, no, that uh, is that is that is seventies wrestling. Well, in my he, opinion, he's you know the WWWF's Ric Flair. Yeah, he's their Luthez. He's their he's yeah. their guy. Yeah, um, Vince Senior's guy. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I, I would like to say about him is that I do what I really respect about him more than a lot of other pro wrestlers is he's a guy that really stuck to his morals and his beliefs about pro wrestling and he didn't like Vince's idea of steroid scandal ridden wrestlers and sports entertainment and he he completely hated the uh the the attitude stuff. Oh yeah, and when he was done, he was a guy that he was done. Yeah. And he was checked out and he wanted to help out uh his son David's career, which is why he came back in the late 80s for that that brief time as a as a commentator and then uh occasional wrestler but then when he was done he was done yeah uh when they gave up on david and i just have to really respect that because you know a lot of wrestlers come crawling back you know He, he found other avenues in life and he moved on that's like like i talked about a few episodes ago like they never spotlight guys that really just move on and you know, have like that Alundra Blaze documentary on there. Like, here's somebody that got out of wrestling, moved on, had a successful career, and lived a good life or whatever. That's like, I mean, uh, Sean Stasiak, Dr. Stasiak, <laughs> chiropractor, yeah, yeah, in Atlanta. Well, Nikita Koloff. I mean, oh, yeah, Nikita. Guys that just get out and they're done and they move on and they, they're fine because yeah. I think too often we're, we're wrapped up in the tragedy of it because. Sadly, there's a lot of tragedy in pro wrestling, but there's also a lot of success stories about guys like Bruno San Martino that when they were done, they just moved on and they didn't need wrestling. It was, you know, Triple H came calling, you know, to get him in the Hall of Fame and, you know... And it told him no once. Yeah, but... Yeah, Bruno shot him down. That's what... That's... I didn't know that. And Well, we'll cover it more next week, but... Um, I didn't know that till after watching the documentary about him. It's it's outstanding. I recommend each and every single person that is listening that's going to listen next week's show, uh, go ahead and watch it in advance too, so you understand what we're talking about. Because we're going to take yeah, it premiered after Raw, but it's on the network. It's one of the featured things on the network at the moment, and it's, uh, uh, it's just Bruno. I mean, you can't miss. Yeah, it. yeah, you can't miss. It's it. just called Bruno. You yeah. can't you can't miss it. But uh. The namesake of Bruno Mars, by the way, Bruno Mars, the pop star, took his name from Bruno San Martino. Uh, well, so. his uh, yeah, his his parents named him that after Bruno San Martino. Nickname, yeah, it's yeah. not his official name, but and so, but uh, apparently, when he died, Bruno Mars tweeted out, yeah, you know, yeah, like like, hey, this has been, this is why I was named this and nicknamed all through school and all that this and so, which which, it's it's so cool. Um, I haven't put anything out. Really. Was married to his wife since 1959. Yeah, talk, I mean marriage in wrestler. That's the thing, man. We talked life, about yeah. it. You know, uh, 
Ivan Koloff married to the same woman for all these years, and George Animal Steele married to the same woman for all these years, and now Bruno San Martino. There are actual successful wrestling families, wrestling, you know. Yeah. He was married almost 60 years. I mean, that's crazy. Not everybody's Ric Flair and married 14 times, <laughs> you know. Yeah, his world championships and his wife's are in competition. Hand in hand, yeah. yeah. I mean, we knock that. I don't. That's not a true number, but I'm just saying. So a huge loss. It, uh, it's it's a massive loss to to the world of professional wrestling. And, and as much trash as I talk about Triple H, I'm glad that he brought Bruno back into the fold to at least uh, accept the Hall of Fame invitation. And then even uh, induct Zabisco that year, and then do Table for Three, and do this documentary, and yeah, actually contribute a little. I'm. Because, like we mentioned about the Legacy Wing, you know, a lot of people, they just, it's too late by the time they realize, oh, we, we should do something about this, you know, it's too late. Yeah, uh, once again, Triple H is, <laughs> Triple H is put in that, in that, that wagon of, with Hogan on the fact that we, we bash the shit out of him a lot more than we say good things about him, and, uh, we're not, we're not in his shoes. We don't know what he's dealing with, or, I mean, the red tape he's having to go through just to pull what he's pulling you know um i do respect the hell out of the man i mean i do don't get me wrong but there's a lot more to bash him about than to praise, give him credit for praise, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so. but yeah sadly uh rest in peace bruno amazing uh career and uh a legend in new york city and when i was there i hate that i, I didn't walk through madison square garden to see the uh yeah, his uh, tribute on the uh, the placard that, that, outside. That is so ironic. Believe it or not, and and for me, I didn't even text you that day because I just let that kind of sink in. Sometimes that's just kind of some shit we do. Was like, hey, you know, you know, you were like, hey, Bruno died, and I was like, yeah, man, that's fucked up. I was like, you know, have a safe trip because I was mentally letting that com, you know, complex. But how ironic it was for you to be in. New York City. Yeah, his territory. His his territory, you know. We'll cover it next week. Stay tuned next week for more Bruno. Uh, moving on to bigger and better things. Um, to happier things, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, Jake Snake Roberts has decided to drop any and all charges with D.H. Smith in regards to their incident with uh, coffee being thrown and all that in New Orleans this past April. Well, well, that's nice of him. At the same time, I imagine that once D.H. Smith made it back to England, uh, they're probably not going to extradite him for a hot coffee throwing incident. But that was nice of Jake to uh, drop uh, any charges. Just that way, when he comes back to the States, if there's not any problem with his passport and that he can still work or whatever. So, nice of Jake to be... Uh, better man. The better man in this situation and just move on. And See, you know, what I want to see? I want to see Jake hop on a plane, fly over to England, hook him in the head, drop him with a DDT, fly back, and say, fuck it, and live back in Atlanta. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm with you. It's it's good that Jake decided to drop the drop the charges. I uh, I think that is, you know, trying to be the better man, move on, get past it. Brian Pillman Jr., You've heard me speak of this this man, and uh, as good, if not better, than his father. Well, it's scary how similar they look. Identical. 
I mean, I fucking I, spooky. It, it really, really is. just like D. H. Smith and his father, they look a lot alike too. It, I mean, it is spot on identical. And uh, I've I've <laughs> I followed his career so far, and uh, we've talked. And um, I was ecstatic when I heard that he was going to be on Austin's podcast on Podcast One, and so. Him and Stone Cold sat down and uh, talked about um, Pillman Sr. And just the Hollywood Blondes and Road Stories. And talked about Pillman Jr.'s career and so far. And, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this this kid, this guy is going... He is the future of WWE. He is that good. And so, uh, stay tuned. Um, I don't normally push other people's podcasts, but this is one you definitely want to check out on Podcast One. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr.'s podcast with uh, when he sits down with Austin. So uh, check it out, definitely. And last, but certainly not least, from the uh, the news this week, it is official. Nikki and John are not getting married. In, f- in fact, they have decided to go separate ways. It's true, love isn't real. But you know, I need to get this pub, I need to get this podcast published very quickly because I almost feel like the announcement of their breakup was a work, and <laughs> it was weird because okay, they they're breaking up, but then they weren't. Well, no, they <laughs> and they, then, it, then it became official like two weeks later. Well, they announced okay, so they announced their breakup, but the, while in their breakup announcement announced their wedding date, which had previously not been announced, which was for this coming weekend, Cinco de Mayo. And so I'm almost certain that Mon- Sunday or Monday, we're going to get a WWE alert that they got married. <laughs> and that this is all just... It's all a fucking work. It's all a work. A Total Bellas... Bullshit. Season reality show twist. Yeah. Because it's... To, for, it's in line with his character on the show. Oh yeah, to get cold feet and want out of this engagement. Well, and the thing, <laughs> the, the thing of it is, the shit kicker of it is, is, I was not aware of this, but before Nikki could move in with him, he had like a it's like a sixty or seventy page document that she had to read and sign before he, before she yeah, was Yeah, that allowed. was that shit that they were uh Miz and Maurice were making fun of like Like the, I didn't know that that shit was actually real. I you know it actually really did happen though. And so that apparently pieces of the document have have come out of the woodworks now and with with Bree or with Nikki's uh well if th- if this all turns out to actually be true which I'm very hesitant to believe because it's I'm dealing with reality TV shows and pro wrestlers, you know, at the same time. I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's all work. Fuck it. I imagine that probably some of their disagreements came about when it came time to possibly do a prenup. Now, I say that because Cena's first marriage ended and. She got half. <laughs> she got half. His statement to TMZ was basically like, "Yeah, that's what she gets. She earned it, or whatever." But I think Cena, you know, learned from that and said, "You know, next time she I'm ain't not, getting shit. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that happen." Yeah. Especially, yeah. Not to say that 
Nikki's value has diminished, but Cena's value is certainly higher because he's an actor. He's on the Today Show. He's he's making more inroads in the entertainment world than Nikki Bella is, and so his value. I I don't see The Rock asking his. Is he married? They're not married. They're not married. Yeah. Really? Okay. They just had their second uh, second daughter, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They did. All the all the wrestlers are having kids at the same time. It's really they weird. Just, so congratulations to The Rock, by the way. Yeah, I don't see The Rock being like, honey, you know, we have two kids together, but you got to sign this prenup. I think he will. Absolutely really? he will. Really? Yes, because, <laughs> well, he <laughs> he got divorced the first time, too. He still remains friends with his first wife, and they have, like, a fashion line and stuff together. So maybe not. Now I'm, I'm venturing way <laughs> off topic here, but I, I almost think any relationship you should sign prenups to just say, mine is mine, yours is yours, because you never know who could be the, the, the top earner eventually. Now you're right. going to cause a lot of trouble when you bring this up. In your, Are you going to bring this up and whenever, if and when you ever get married? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Because, no, I just think it protects both people. It's going uh, to pro- make the process of divorce a lot easier. Because it's already been decided. Oh, hey. I'm... Unless you contest the prenup in court, which could possibly happen, but... And I'm just totally speculating on the on the reason of John Cena and Nikki Bell's breakup. Honestly... No, if I was in Cena's shoes, she ain't getting shit. I worked so hard to get what I have, she ain't getting shit. Because she, she... Here's my thing. If, <laughs> if you come together, and you ain't got shit, and you build a million dollars for... From shit, then yeah, she gets half. Now, if you've got a million dollars and she comes in while you already have that million dollars, she knows you have that million dollars. It ain't like she's just like, oh, wait, no, here you go. You know, here, let me add just a little bit to it. No, she knows you can take care of her significantly well with no problem. So, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just speculating on that, but I I think it's almost a work just to get more seasons out of Total oh, Bellas. Yeah. It is, it is. Because now now we have a whole season of that he the, the breakup, then we have a whole season of the reunion, then we have a whole season of the wedding, then we have the baby. We've got the whole we've got the next three got, or four years planned out. Oh, we've got seven seasons tied into this whole thing. Like it's it's. We still have yet to see the premiere of the uh, the Miz and Maurice's reality show, so they've got competition now. Uh, oh so, shit! They have a reality show. Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's actually gonna be on USA, not E. As, as <laughs> is I it really? I think so. No shit. It's, okay. It's not a. It's not like a twenty-two parter. It's like or how fifteen episodes. I think it's only like six or seven episodes. But yeah, they've got one coming out. So. Well, I'm intrigued now because I want to see this. I am very interested. Well, that's all about the baby. So. Well, yeah. I did tweet out. Yeah, love isn't real. I mean, love just doesn't exist, Patrick. Because we saw it. Cena gave up whatever he was going to do at WrestleMania 33 for that proposal. For her. And I mean, almost cost himself the Undertaker. I, if it, he had had the Undertaker match at 33 instead of Reigns, I think that would have been better because uh, even though Undertaker was in bad condition, at least it would have been with Cena. And it would have been it would have gone over a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think, imagine of all the... There's a million different scenarios Cena could have been in at, at WrestleMania 33, and he was in a mixed tag match. Yeah. And you've only got so many WrestleManias left with this guy on a regular basis, and... 
that was what you cashed one of them for. Like, pretty sad. But, uh... He was doing that for her because she wanted her WrestleMania Exactly. Moment. Well, you know what? You need to get some fucking talent and earn your own WrestleMania moment, not have one handed to you. Well, and talk that, about putting that, pressure on a guy. I man. want an engagement at WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I That right there... Not happening. I'd, we know my feelings about love and WrestleMania. I will miss my first child's birth to go to WrestleMania. Like, I mean, better not say that too loud. <laughs> we have, we have discussed this in the past. Yeah. So, so what else do we have? You want to talk about the Andre the Giant Memorial, not Battle Royal, but the biography on HBO? Yeah. Well, Did you get a chance to finally watch it? I did. I After did. I provided you with the HBO Go login. You did. Yes. I appreciate you. Thank you for that, by no the way. No problem, man. I'm glad that you were able to indulge in it. Fans, take a look at this. Can you believe that? Perhaps even, let's compare it to the size of my head. Andre the... <laughs> and from Grenoble in the French Alps, weighing 477 pounds... The eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. He's stronger than all of us. He's bigger than all of us. Oh, and Andre the Giant off the top turnbuckle. He kept everybody in line. He was the guy. He was famous on a different level. Literally the biggest celebrity in the world. How about your diet? How much food do you eat today? You knew that you were seeing something unique in the world. Andre was an attraction. There was no level of comfort. It had to be an uncomfortable life. Here's only one. They think of him as this legendary drinker. He drank because he was in pain. People would not leave him alone. The reality of who he was was getting more intense on him. He knew he wasn't going to live long. Month after month, you can see Andre failing. Andre commanded great respect. He was not the most articulate man in the world. Look at me when I'm talking to he you. He spoke in other ways. Oh boy, look at that! He was a figure of the imagination come to life. Mother Nature has done something really magnificent here. He did sports entertainment before there was sports entertainment. Yeah! I can't believe it! This is unreal! What are your thoughts? Because we've already heard some of mine about it. I thought it was ecstatic. I really enjoyed it. I, I was... It was... Yeah, it was well produced. I mean... Very well done. There were parts I knew... But there were some that I didn't, that I found very interesting, solely regarding mostly around WrestleMania 3. Uh, I had news stories. I had heard stories. I have been told stories by Mangy Noakland himself uh, going into that event. Um, there were others, though, that I, I did not understand, or I did not realize had happened until this documentary. It was very... Um, it was very well produced. It was very well done. I enjoyed every ounce of it. Uh, you want to go ahead and jump into it? 
Yeah, let's okay. jump into All the right. HBO documentary called Andre the Giant. At 15 years old is when he started growing. Okay. And yes, that's when the Andre the Giant family realized uh, this guy is not like the rest of us. No, no. And, I mean, to be 200 pounds by the age of 17, and he was like 250 or something. Well, and to be very tall That's as well. insane. Those, that was probably my favorite uh, actual clip that they used of, of those early wrestling matches he had. Oh, yeah, him training In the and black shit. and white. Yeah, yeah. Because just to see this... He moved so well, too, Well, and man. to be so young and, yeah. and like... Uh, you know, it probably wasn't apparent to him or or the family. I mean, that he had some sort of disease. They probably just thought, man, he is really, really tall and really, yeah. really big. Like, but yeah, those those were my favorite clips because I those I don't think have been seen enough really right. because really WrestleMania three is basically the highlight reel you get over and over again with Andre. I yeah. mean, a couple other things. Him singing the fish song on TNT, and uh, yeah, I uh, a couple weeks ago, I was when I heard about this getting ready to come out. I was touring um, YouTube and found his last match, his actually last televised match, and it was over in that was in Japan, Japan, right? Yeah, and it was him and Giant Baba, Giant Baba, whose wife passed away this week. Uh, yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was announced. She had passed away a few weeks ago. They're weird about releasing uh, when people pass away in Japan. But yeah, they, Giant Baba's wife passed away uh, a few weeks weeks ago as well. But, um... And just, for me, as a kid, Andre was the end-all, be-all. Well, he's magical. I mean, I just mean, to look at. I mean... Like, you look at Big Show and you look at Giant uh, Gonzalez or... But they don't have the... F- the facial features. Or... That's what I'm saying. You look at, or, or even Great Khali. Great Khali a little bit. They're, has... they're big guys, yeah. And you're like, holy shit. And for me, you know, meeting Paul, uh, his hands are huge. Like, I, I don't think anybody can understand the size of this man. To actually have touched his hands and realized that, like, a fourth of his finger takes up my entire <laughs> hand, my entire palm. Well, that Sports Illustrated photo of Andre's hand is an iconic photograph. Right. I mean, and well, that's what I'm saying. And to to go from, and we're talking about Paul White. We're talking about Big Show here. Yeah. And and from that, and to go from, he's still smaller than Andre. That's incredible. That is insane. For every kid. Well, even out there, even if at Paul White's tallest, which I think he's shrank a little bit with age and with yeah. uh, everything else. Um, he still doesn't have the features that Andre had. Right. Uh, I mean, even if Andre was our height but had the same features, he would stick out. You know, well, he would still it's, look it's like uh, the. If you remember the French Angel from the Golden Age, the Golden Age of Wrestling, uh, he had gigantism. But he only had a partial sign of it, so his he had a normal body, but his head and his hands. I think I know who you're talking. Were the about, size yeah. of of like Andre's, and so like you could be standing twenty yards away from him to take a picture of him in the ring, like say you're in the nosebleeds, 
it looks like you're right there fucking ringside taking a picture of him. <laughs> like, he's just, that's just the facial feature that he had. And, um, but for Andre, back to him, um, for every kid, especially every kid that's a wrestling fan, uh, in our age group, Andre was it. There's, we say like on our scale, you know, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, but really, Giant Gonzalez, man, that that's. Pe- well, that's just a that, height alone. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's peanuts compared to what Andre like as a kid. Andre the Giant literally was the the fairy tale dude that came to, came to life. Like he he, there was no putting any type of of BS past him. There was no. Well, and I hate to put it this way about Andre, but he's really the last of, I hate to say it like this, but the circus freaks. I mean, and wrestling got its start as a carny business or whatever, you know. And when you think of old circuses, the bearded woman and the the all the, the freak show or whatever, that's a terrible way to put it. But, I mean, Andre is like, he was the last one. Like and and not only that, but he was he was the best one, really. I mean, because yeah. uh, he was so charismatic. He he presented himself in such a different way. Uh, he could add he could he could add so much by doing so less. Oh yeah, well he invented. I think he invented the way that Vince Junior thinks about big man wrestling. Yeah, and. And that's not to say that other big men didn't come before, or, I mean, like, you had Big John Studd or whatever, but they all, but, you know, Kane, Undertaker, the walking over the top rope, uh, very the very slow, methodical way that the Undertaker wrestled to begin with, um, the way, I mean, even Diesel, you know, all the, all the big men that have, that came after Andre, all pretty much stayed within the same kind of format where you do where it's take the big man off his feet and you do the most with the least work his legs yeah keep him down if you keep him on his back then he can't you know be mobile yeah no you're exactly right and you see andre's career as a whole pan out in every big man in wrestling still to this day like we go back a couple months ago, what was it? We had Braun Strowman turning over an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, these, feats of strength. These yeah, two, ten, these two stuff. teenage boys in New York City piss off Andre the Giant one night while he's sitting there at a bar trying to drink. He goes out, he flips the car over on top of him with a minute. Like uh, just nobody would think that if Andre hadn't have paved the ground and done it. There is only one end all be all giant, and there's no offense to be John Stud. That's no offense to uh, Big Show. That's no offense to Kali. No, but I mean, there will never be. There's only one, and will only always be one giant. What I really think's great about him, too, though, is that you know the majority of his career was as a babyface, yeah. and uh, and I, I said this about Dusty Rhodes too, but. Those were two guys that kind of broke the mold as far as the big man has to be the bad man. And 
when you have the biggest man is not the baddest man. I mean, he's the baddest man in the ring, but he's yeah. the fr- he's not he's a friendly giant. Yeah. You know, he doesn't come across like some scowling, you know, there's more to him than just you know, yeah, like that's that's one of the problems I think with Great Kali, and it's not just the language barrier. It was just this guy. Oh, he's big. Be scared of him. Yeah. You know, that's all that came with that package. Yeah. But with Andre, there was so much character that came out because he was able to be a babyface for all those years, and I thought that was real. That's really interesting and cool to me because if a guy like Andre came along today, there's no way like he would be booked. As a baby face. One of my favorite one of my favorite parts of this entire thing, and Stephanie told it so well, is that she's outside on her trampoline and you know, her nanny is there and Andre pulls up and like you can literally the way she said it, you you could see it mentally in your mind. Here it is, little girl Stephanie jumping on her trampoline, Andre pulls up, the nanny freaks out, who's this giant dude runs in locks the doors Andre walks over holds out his hand and Stephanie literally steps into his hands and he lowers her from the trampoline like you can mentally picture that entire story as she's painting it and I think that shows also for what kids see as a fairy tale you you hear of like Jack and the Beanstalk or you hear of you know, all these other... Well, David and Goliath. David and Goliath. You hear all these, you know, these these Bible stories or these, these, these him, you know, these old uh, bedtime stories. And The uh, giant's always the bad man. Yeah. But you, that was one thing, too, that the Princess Bride helped to show, too. Right. As well, yeah. Like, that was another... That took up a big majority, I, well, a big chunk of this biography was the Princess Bride role for him, but which was a huge role for him. I think he's awesome in it. I like. Uh, I had actually never seen it up until about a couple of years ago, and uh, Monica had seen it several times. It's a big cult classic. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize yeah. how popular it was, and uh, I watched it, and yeah, I, it made me think uh, so much more about Andre and about how much character you know just how much personality this he guy just had. was a fun guy yeah yeah like, yeah that was the great that i think that's the thing uh that this biography did the best is to show that he was you know a guy that you know he loved hanging out in the field you know he loved the fi- the fields of france where he grew up and he bought that farm in north carolina you know he wasn't he wasn't rick flair he wasn't going out on the town every night partying it up or whatever right. yeah and he L- really... lb lb north carolina and and he, yeah it was just a small little town like you were saying like in france where he grew up he was very humble right that that's that's the word i was searching for yeah that's exactly it and he never let this fame get to him well and he never let he never let his his problems until he got a lot older and started getting in a lot of serious pain he never let his problems become other people's problems I, well that was probably part of the reason why he was so reluctant to go to doctors that they talked about too is that he didn't want anyone else he didn't want anyone to feel sorry for him yeah but you know it, it was that was another great thing that the biography did was illustrate how 
tough it was to be this man to ride on airplanes. I mean, airplanes... I mean, 747s weren't in the air when Andre the Giant was flying around, so even the biggest plane you got, this guy is still... He's lifting the armrests and sitting in two seats. Or three seats at some point. And he couldn't even go to the restroom on the airplane. And that, that was stuff that Tim White brought up that I... I thought he was the best sound bites they they got for the whole documentary, especially at the end when they. Hit. I'm sorry, there's something about guys crying on camera that gets to me uh, personally for some reason, and so towards the end when Tim White starts breaking down and crying about Andre, uh, about how he passed away in a hotel room by himself, it's sad. It really got to me, but it got to me. Hell, I cried. I ain't well, yeah, lie. it got to me, but I mean Andre knew he was in bad shape when he went over there so it wasn't yeah. like but, I think, but, but that went along with I don't want anyone else feeling no. sorry for me I'm, I, I'm going home and yeah. I think mentally in his mind he knew he was going home to stay Yeah, I think he knew going that was his last trip over there and, and certain people just have that feeling and certain people have that knowledge of knowing I've, I've had a family member that was that way like hey it's my time. Nah, oh, you got plenty. And sure enough, man. And I can relate you know? to his reluctance with doctors. I don't. I don't. Oh, I hate doctors. I don't either because number because mainly I I don't I don't want to hear bad news. You yeah. know, if I if I go to the doctor and hear bad news, well that that's going to consume me for the rest. As soon as I hear it, that's it from then on out. But if I don't hear it, and then I just drop dead one day. Then I I never knew the difference. Yeah. So I can relate to Andre's fear of doctors, even though it's sad though that he could have probably been helped at least alleviate the pain of of his back and his hips and his legs. And I don't know if they could have extended his life much longer, but they could have at least made it easier for him. Well, I man, here's here's a guy that was told he would never see like what the age yeah. of twenty or something. Well, they didn't even understand the disease, really. Yeah. So. And so, then here, you know, he lived. I thought the names were very interesting. Uh, fairy was what he wrestled under as, as in France. Yeah, he was a giant fairy. And so, I just thought that was extremely hilarious. And, uh... But his, uh... Yeah, he was Andre Rusimov, which is his, his real, real name. name. Andre the Giant... Giante Ferri, which uh, that's what he was called in Canada. Uh, Giant Machine, which um, U.S. and Japan. Yeah, Jean Ferry, Monster Eiffel Tower, <laughs> which French. Uh, yeah, and uh, Monster Rusimov, which is also his name. But there you go. Uh, he died at the age of only forty-six. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Um, I did not. I knew he didn't like Big John Stud. I knew there was serious heat there. I knew for them to bring it up in the documentary, it must have been. He didn't like Kamala either. I've had I've had stories told from, by Kamala to me about Kamala used to wrestle with a thirty eight pistol inside his tights because he was terrified of Andre actually shooting on him. I knew Big John Studd. I knew Kamala. I did not know Iron Sheik and Savage. And the fact that they brought it up, he had to. He must have had to really dislike them to have brought it up. He started having back problems right when uh, 
they passed the torch to Hogan, and Hogan won the title from Iron Sheik. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, and we're about to review WrestleMania three, and you you can tell how mobile this guy is. Well, Vince basically, man, I don't mean this the way it's going to sound, because I understand I would have done the same thing in Vince's position, but Vince kind of dangled that carrot out in front of him. Hey, Andre, if you go and get your back surgery, if you go and, you know, do this surgery, I guarantee you WrestleMania 3, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you and Hogan for the title and the Pontiac Silver on the... At this point in time, now, let's... It is the biggest indoor arena in the world. The thoughts of being able to pack this place out is huge. And you know, in the back of Andre's mind, he's thinking, and here is here it is, I'm going to be main eventing the biggest arena in the world. You know, he went and did it. And he did it just enough to get better. And at the time that he was out with his back surgery and trying to heal, he did Princess Bride. And Princess Bride is uh, its just a hilarious movie. And it, uh, it adds so much to his character. But it also shows, like, uh, I forgot her name. Robin Wright. When she's talking about falling into his arms and the fact that he couldn't even hold her yeah, up. Yeah, she had to be up by strings, yeah. Yeah. It just shows you how fragile his back and his hips were hurting him by this point in time. And going into WrestleMania 3, um, this is what I... I knew this, okay? I knew Hogan going into WrestleMania 3 was terrified. I had heard, Gene, had, Gene Oakland had told me numerous times that in car rides... Gene would be in the car with him. He'd have to pull over. Hogan be throwing up on the side of the freeway just because he was terrified of Andre going into business for himself or whatever, or the the fact of the unknown, basically. And what I did not know is I did not know that Vince had gone to Hogan and Hogan had wrote down every step by step of this entire match. I didn't know that. I also didn't know that going into this match, even up till in the ring, that they had they didn't have a finish. They didn't have an idea. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have an agreed-upon finish. And so I found that to be very interesting. Well, it's, it's disputed that... It's disputed. I mean, uh, from what I read, Andre had agreed to lose the match... Probably no one had informed Hogan that because they still wanted that feeling in the ring. Yeah, yeah. yeah he could have very easily just, uh, especially yeah, in the first uh, body slam attempt. Yeah. Oh, he when he fell on top of him, he could have easily just held him down one more second. I mean, and who the hell's going to stop him? You know. Well, and they they used that later on for WrestleMania 4's build, so uh, that came back into play. Lots of Hogan in this documentary. He's a very good storyteller. I yes. can't I can't deny it. Whether there it's a hundred percent true or whatever, the way Hogan tells stories and this goes back to even that documentary we saw with Flair many years ago. Well, with just Hogan where he was talking about the time he almost killed himself or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh he's a very dramatic storyteller. He is yeah. an incredible storyteller to uh, when he describes things, the way his eyes light up, the way he can he sits, he knows when to sit. This guy, that's one thing about Hogan. I mean, as much 
as we talked about Triple H, we give Triple H a lot of shit and we give Hogan a lot of shit, but Hogan knows how to tell a story. And that's the one thing uh, that he does very, very well. And in this documentary, he is probably... He's probably the MVP of the documentary as far as, uh, you know, dramatic storytelling. Because the way he sits back in the chair and his eyes light up and, you know... He's seeing... He's seeing Pontiac Silverdome. You can see it almost being projected from his eyes. Just like at WrestleMania 30 when he didn't know he was at the Superdome. He thought he was at the Silverdome. This man, this moment lives on with him. Uh, I can see, yeah, I can see it being the biggest moment in his career. Yeah, we'll get into that in the WrestleMania 3 uh, review. I kind of wish that they had gone into this match a little bit differently with, with Hogan as the challenger. Um... I know that they couldn't do that because he was so hot. I mean, how could you justify taking it from him? And then, you know, you couldn't... It would have to have been vacated because you couldn't have Andre beat somebody else. So, but I really think that it would have been just a little more sweeter if Hogan was actually capturing the title from Andre there. But even then, it, it still serves the same purpose because it's still... A, I mean, when they when they show those passing of the torch, you know, scenes from WrestleMania, it's, it always starts out with these two. Oh, yeah. And then it goes on to, you know, Brett and Sean, and then ends up... The, the Sean, final... Sean and Austin, and then Austin to... The final thing is always Cena and Rock. Cena, or yeah, Austin to Rock, and then Rock to Cena, and yeah. But we'll get into that in the WrestleMania. Well, and, and we're, we'll skip over and we'll go to the end of the documentary because I don't want it. I mean, WrestleMania three documentary in the <laughs> or the match of in the the match in WrestleMania three in the documentary is discussed, and we're going to discuss it once again here in a second. So uh, we'll just skip over the last little bit of that. Um, a twenty-seven year career, six continents, and over five thousand matches. That's incredible for a man who, to travel, we talked about, had to be difficult overseas, but even just traveling and in, in, in over over here. You know, uh, I'm sorry, but that still you still had the rotary dial on phones and a lot of hotel rooms at this point in time in his career. You did. His fingers were too big to stick in that hole and turn to, call, to make a phone call. He was still too big to fit in normal size beds. He had, I mean, I don't, a California king still is not going to fit this man. He was a draw everywhere that he went. And he, another great attribute is that he never wanted to be the champion. You know, that was never a, a thing of his. He never yeah. wanted to be the top guy because he didn't have to be the top guy. He, because he, I think he knew he was the top guy without having to have a belt. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, the way territories were. I don't think Andre wanted to be tied down to God, I gotta defend this belt in this this city when he could just go anywhere. He yeah. could just the world was his. Uh there's Man, a, there's very few wrestlers where you could just do whatever. Vince Senior Vince Senior pulled the coup by signing this man and and being like, Hey, if you stay stationed here I'll loan you out. You'll make. We'll, we as a whole will make money from all these other territories. 
you know, as you being an attraction, but you still work for me kind of thing. That That's just, that's brilliant. And then going into Vince Jr. with, uh, yeah, got to go wrestle Anoki, Harley Race, Nick Bockwinkle, got to yeah. go have all these dream matches. Yeah. But at the same time, he was going to have to come back home at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was just uh, it's it's that's a, something that you definitely wouldn't see. I mean, Vince Jr. would never let that happen today. Can you imagine like Roman Reigns? Like, yeah, Roman, you can go wrestle for New Japan or yeah. whatever. Go work, go work this for New Japan, but come on back. It's one of those weird things. It's like fought Chuck Wepner. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Lots of, the, let's let's specify this for a minute. He boxed. Well, he fought a boxer. It was a he, boxer versus wrestler. He yeah he wrestled. Chuck Webner, but the that was on the Muhammad Ali Anoki card on the yeah. undercard. But the craziest thing is, Gorilla Monsoon is the only man to have. I want to bring this up because this is interesting to me. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon is the only man to have actually wrestled Muhammad Ali, but boxed uh, Andre the Giant. So I found that to be interesting. That's when. Chuck Webner and Muhammad Ali and were all combining into wrestling and boxing around the 70s and uh, that was just unique to me to uh, I, I still to this day find that you know how they paved ground and you're seeing it still to this day with, with Ronda Rousey coming into you know mixing ground of mixed martial arts and pro wrestling you know that they go hand in hand and it shows that and uh you saw it with football with uh, with uh, Steve McMichaels with um, you know all these other great athletes that went on from the NFL to uh, to be in WWF Lawrence Taylor and or WCW with the likes of Reggie White and so it, it just shows it, it shows the capabilities of how these these I mean here's a man I've said it before uh, I've seen videos of it. To see Undertaker do a Tombstone pile driver is one thing, but to see Andre do it, if you have not seen this, you need to look it up. It is absolutely surreal to see this giant of a man tombstoning someone. It's it's unlike anything you'll ever see. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, in uh, January twenty seventh of nineteen ninety three. He uh, he passed away after going and seeing his uh, going to his father's funeral back home in France, and um, passed away in a hotel room. Obviously, this man is too big to be able to bury. Um, I don't think a casket. I don't think there's you know a plot big enough to to unfortunately try to bury this man. I mean, I'm not. Let's be realistic. So cremation was the only thing, and uh, I think befitting that is that they they spread his ashes out on his farm in Elbury, North Carolina, and so um, and left his estate to uh, his daughter Robin, who was featured in the documentary for two seconds. It seemed like. See, yeah, I would love to have heard more from her. I mean, I, I wish know, that we. I know she didn't have a lot to. She doesn't have a lot of memories, but what little memories she does have, I don't feel like they took advantage of. 
I almost wish that we could have gotten some from, I guess, Robin's mother about, like, where did she meet Andre? Like, where did... Like, that... I mean... Is she still alive? Yeah, is she still alive? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, But, yeah, no. That would have not... That would have been It seems strange to me. I mean, even though Andre was very generous, like, there's a story where he always wanted to pay the tab, and one time he was having a meal with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold went to go pay the bill before Andre could but he saw Arnold doing it so he physically lifted Arnold out of the way so he could go pay the tab so this is a guy that's very generous and so but he left his estate to his daughter but this is a daughter that he had no real relationship with none and so I find that kind of strange he didn't want her involved with the business which I understand I'm sorry well, I understand that, but I think it's still the, weird. The business, the business in the '60s, '70s, and '80s is not a place. Even in the '90s, was not a place for kids. Well, yeah, I just think it's weird that I mean, even the guy that got away to the ranch never. Oh yeah, really had that relationship. Uh, it right. just seems kind of strange to me. Right. No, I um, I I agree. And I guess some wounds are you know too deep to talk about. So. But so I can understand it. But that's it's it's stuff like that that was kind of left out that kind of makes me not like it as much as as the Flair thirty for thirty. But also you have a living subject with Ric Flair that was able to weigh in, and it's sort of like uh, my problems with the Randy Savage and the DVD and the that it was just Lanny telling us about Randy, and we still don't know much about Randy. Right, like we talked about before we went on here a sec a few minutes ago. <laughs> if if I am if I pass away and they do a documentary about my career, you're not. I know you're going to be on it. You're going to be a part of it. I mean, hell, you're my brother, but you're not going to be like, dude, he was a dick. You know, yeah, he did some strange <laughs> things. Let me tell you about. He was though. a fucking asshole, like, which is the truth. But you're not gonna do that. You're gonna be like, no, he's a great guy. He did so much. He he helped out the community, make a wish, kids. Yeah, yeah he did yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, he. You're not gonna be like he's a prick. You know, you're so not. So it's kind of tough to judge. I guess after I watch the Bruno thing, maybe I'll be able to judge. Well, Bruno's on his own DVD too. So or Bruno's on his own documentary too. Yeah, so. he is. Yeah, that's what's kind of difficult about Andre and Macho Man and any other wrestler that's got a documentary where they're not even featured, where there's not even clips that you can go to, where a lot of clips where they're out of character and just telling you uh, how it is or whatever. So I would like to have seen more from his mother and his brothers. Yes, that was... His, his family and his daughter, I thought, should have been featured much more. Because I, I loved watch, looking through those uh, photo oh, books, showing the photo albums on the kitchen table and sitting there talking about it. Just and stories, stuff. yeah. yeah. You could just, I mean, I'm sure growing up, the brothers could have been like, "Hey, we were out in the field this one time, and he did this." Like that would have been shit. I would love to have heard. Yeah, but that had to be cut because we needed 20 minutes of WrestleMania three and Hulk Hogan, you know. I just thought some of those changes could have been made, but I mean, production value is still great on it. It's still, it's it's still a fine product, but it's very well done. I uh, I enjoyed, 
I enjoy it tremendously. And instead of cutting parts of it, I would have just left it in there and left it like two hours long. I'm sorry. Uh, people would have paid attention and watched it for that long. Yeah, it was an hour and a half. They could have left 30 more minutes in. I mean, I would love to have heard those stories or seen the seen more of the the early footage from from France. And uh, I rank it as an Andre the Giant. Where do you rank it? <laughs> well, I guess that's the only place to rank it. I think it, but like I said, I think it would appeal more to someone who didn't watch wrestling or someone that watched wrestling in the 80s and quit watching or kids nowadays yeah i sit down with i think it's an intro it's a fascinating piece about this guy that you might not know anything about there are kids nowadays that still they'll come up to wrestling shows and they'll be like hey you know were you in the ring with that you know that guy andre the giant and you know they'll you know they'll ask you know, Jake Roberts, they'll ask. You know, I mean, that's just a normal thing. He's a household name in kids' minds. Kids that were born after the year 2000 that no, have, were not even nowhere near being alive and or thought of when this man was wrestling, let alone had passed. Well, he is still a household name, the likes of The Rock, the likes of... Uh, Vin Diesel, or whichever way you want to put it, he's. Well, I think, uh, in as far as pro wrestling goes, he's been their w- most. He's their most well kept historical figure because he's in every video game. Yes, he's in every highlight reel. And he, he needs to be. Uh, he's the reason the Hall of Fame was invented. Yeah. I mean, he was the first inductee when he passed away. Yeah. Uh, so he is. And he's the only man to have ever been inducted just by himself. That was the induction class was just him. Well, yeah, it was just a picture of him and said Hall of Fame. There you go. I mean, but still, that I think that speaks volumes for the fact that he was such a, a groundbreaker and a leader. Yeah, he went in before Vince Senior. Yeah, so. he need, he needed to. I I don't I'm gonna get a lot of flack for saying that, but he needed to. You put him up there with Ric Flair. I mean, he just he's more of sports entertainment's version of Ric Flair is that's what I'm yeah that's what Ric I mean. Flair is not not workhorse but I mean entertainment wise because yeah. he he <laughs> it's weird because he knew the business before it was really the business and I didn't I I it makes sense but it wasn't till the documentary you started seeing the ending of the documentary did you realize that he knew what the hell he was doing I think he's almost... He was pissed off at, like... He's almost how Vince McMahon, uh, Vincent uh, Kennedy McMahon, decided how to frame the company is based on Andre the Giant, based on entertainment value. Well, his biggest pet peeve with... Which I'm glad they touched on, and it makes perfect fucking sense. His biggest pet peeve with Big John Studd was stepping over the top rope. Listen, yeah, that's my thing. That's my thing. Like, he understood long before we had that protecting the character. I mean, you didn't really have that to like Hogan or you know or Ultimate Warrior or Undertaker. Are you never really thought of it? He had he knew that right. Like you'll see in WrestleMania three, a lot of people have shared finishers and shit. You know, you don't see that anymore. You know. No. 
no one else right now is going to do a Superman punch other than Roman Reigns. You know, right. you're not going to see Seth Rollins throw a Superman right. punch. Yeah. So he understood that, and and he he understood a branding himself. Brand that that's the word I was looking even for, before thank you. Hulk yeah. Hogan. Hulk Hogan really took it to another level as far as because he was selling the Hulkamania t-shirts and the red Soul and yellow, finger, yeah, all yeah. that shit. Uh, but he, Andre understood all the character aspects and, and protecting your character and protecting, you know, making things exclusive to you that other people don't have. And, and if you tried to do it, he would call you out on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so that was just, that was so, so interesting to me. And uh, ahead of his time. Yeah. Way ahead of his time. Way ahead, way ahead of his ahead time. of his time, and yet somehow past his time because, like I said, he is a throwback to Carney days. Like I mean, yeah. he is. He fits. He, he is past, present, and he is then, now, and forever. He is the the entire brand. You know, he's, yeah. I feel like he fits in any I feel generation. Like the, the WWE logo we need to have incorporated Andre the Giant holding up the W. Like I just feel like. Well, you know, yeah, like how MLB or NBA has a figure, a, a, a silhouette of, yeah. like, a, a player. It needs to be Andre the Giant. I I really think that. Well, they have a trophy for him they give out every year, so. <laughs> but I'm just saying because he is Mr. Wrestling. When you think of wrestling, you think of Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant. So check that out. It's on HBO. It's on demand now. You can... Uh... Stream at any time if you have HBO Go or know somebody that has it, and uh, it'll give you the password. So there you go. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. And now we head to Andre's most notable moment, even though it was actually past his prime. Yeah. 1987. I was uh, not even a year old yet. We go to March 29th. I was not even born. How about wow, that? Wow, jeez. This is old, then. <laughs> I was. I would have been... I was born in November of 88, so oh, for yeah. fans who are curious, that was not even born yet. Yeah, I was born in September of 86, so yeah, not even a year old. Uh, March 29th, 1987, we're going to the Pontiac Silverdome, which met its unfortunate demise just a few months ago. Yeah. You heard me bitching about that, too. I, I really... It's a shame. It, it is. It's a shame. It's a shame about all these sports stadiums that they can't find anything else to do with them. That that's just it. Yeah. That when it's over, it's over, and just well, blow we were them talking up. about we we've for me the McKenzie Arena here in Chattanooga. Now they're saying, oh, it's too big for the UTC campus. We don't really need it. We're gonna demolish it and put a smaller one in. Why? Why? Just cause, man. Why? Well, it makes if it's too small for your for you, then you need to be bringing in bigger talent to fill it the fuck up. Good point. I mean, this. the tagline for WrestleMania 3, bigger, better, badder. After WrestleMania 2 was in three different cities, it was a bit of a clusterfuck last year. It was. And your main event of last year was a massive challenge in King Kong Bundy. Yeah. And a steel cage taking on the champion. And Hogan just barely made it out of that. He barely. And now barely. he's got a bloody an even, mess. By the way, now he's got an even bigger challenge. Yeah. 
the biggest challenge, the gravest challenge. No, that's a few years away. Smooth Jazz welcomes us to the Silver Dome, that WrestleMania jazz music. We all love it. And then Vince Jr., who must have just been had the, a rock-hard fucking boner when he saw this crowd at the Pontiac fucking Silver Dome. Because... You know what? If I was in his shoes, I would have as well. Even today, in 2018, this looks great on television. Fucking impeccable. Let's explain this. You're in television, so um, before we open this up, this was on closed circuit television. We have spoken about this in the past. Yeah, pay per view was still in its infancy, so there was a bit of pay per view, but it was still mainly closed circuit. So, so you would go down to a theater and watch this. You would go to a movie theater if you weren't able to buy a ticket and travel to the show. That's the only way you were seeing this. So right. drive in movie theaters new sit-down theaters. You were... It was worldwide known. WrestleMania 3 was the happening that... Holy Thanks, shit. Gorilla. The happening, yes. That it would was be. It was the thing. It was, holy shit, I need to see this. Well, that, that part of the country, very big in wrestling. Michigan, Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota, AWA territory. And, and Minnesota turns out some of the biggest names oh, in wrestling yeah. history. So, I you mean, go up and down the list, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, Kurt Henning at the very top, in my opinion. Well, I mean, Hogan came from the AWA. Yeah. The biggest the biggest steal of all the steals Vince made, definitely. Hogan taking... Uh, or Vince taking Hogan from the AWA. Now, I mean... Why it looks so good is because the way that the Silver Dome is set up with this inflatable roof, so you get natural daylight, because this thing started in the afternoon. Yes. And so instead of lighting the crowd with artificial light, which we get blue and red or whatever they want to do, you don't actually see the whole crowd when people are in the ring now. And it's, yeah. a, it's a much tighter shot. Right. These shots are much wider at WrestleMania three. Right. And also... The way they could have packed more people in closer to the ring because these guys, these sections are pretty spread out. Yeah. But, my God, the visual of it is just beautiful. I mean, it is, it looks like a sea of people. And this even, this trumps anything the NWA had done. This trumps anything even World Class had done. I mean, uh, the Cowboys Stadium that they had run, this even makes that look like child's play. Oh, yeah. And this puts... This puts WWF even, I mean, this puts them far out ahead of all their competition just based on the production value and all the people in this arena. Oh, or, yeah, I mean, there have been starcades before this that, that looked pretty good that were outdoors. Yeah. That, but it, nothing, nothing compared to this. I mean, this, I mean is, this is a sea of humanity. This is, I said it at the start of the show, the Pontiac Silverdome at this point in time was the biggest indoor arena in the world we're not talking about the u.s the world and so the fact that they were able to a book it b have the balls to book that venue even if they had to paper it even if they had to give tickets out just the visual alone is worth it because it sets you so far apart from the competition. So I mean, it's it did what Vince McMahon wanted yes. to do. It, it sent it sent a message to all the territory guys saying, "Listen, it's over. Your days are done. 
You either A, sell out to me while you still can, or B, I'm just going to put you out of business. Well, this is a, it, it says, it, it sends a clear message of a ranking system that this, we are number one. There yeah. is no fucking question because, yeah. can you do this? Yeah. Because I don't think you can. Yeah. The NWA was, was starting to shake a little bit like, hey, we need to, we need to change. And that's when Georgia Championship Wrestling became World Championship Wrestling. Because it was we were we're getting left behind and we gotta we gotta catch up with the times so we gotta catch up quick. But Vince just uh, in his tuxedo and oh, God. we get a glimpse into the Mister McMahon voice as he welcomes us. A Pontiac Silverdome, and here to sing America the Beautiful, Aretha Franklin. Very well done. And he tosses to Aretha Franklin, who showed up at WrestleMania 23, also in Detroit. Yes. And now, here to sing America, the beautiful, the queen of soul, Miss Aretha Franklin! Uh, 20 years later. Yes, exactly. And she sings America the Beautiful. Does the best job of it. I still skipped it. But it is the best job, I You're think. such a non-American to skip this. I've heard it before. I've heard it. A little, little secret. I've heard it before, too. Exactly. So I skipped it. Yeah. <laughs> Our announcers tonight, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. But they are joined by Bob Euchre and Mary Hart. Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight. And Bob Euchre, to this day, still the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. (laughs) This is like Mr. Baseball, Bobby. But in the 80s was on Mr. Belvedere, was in uh, Major League, was was, uh, more than just an announcer. Yeah. I got to bust bust the body's balls here. What the fuck was he had on his chin? Oh, (laughs) Jesse was a fashionista tonight, Patrick, because he had his snakeskin uh, suit and he had... What it, was, it appeared to be a piercing. It, that's what I thought. In his chin, way before he was way ahead of his time with this. It, it looked that's like, what it looked like to me, but I wasn't sure. It looked like a piercing in his. Uh, he has a very per, he has a he has a Jay Leno chin, and he had it. But this is uh, this is a piercing where if you had a goatee, it would be called your soul patch right here. If you just if you shaved everything else, Howie Mandel has one of these. Where it's uh, just the triangle under the bottom lip, but instead of hair, he had jewelry there somehow. Yes. Yeah, he's getting ready for his big predator run. He was wanting to uh, class it up a bit, but this snakeskin suit, <laughs> Jesse Ventura, always at the forefront of fashion, and uh, oh lord, he would be one of my MVPs tonight. He did a great <laughs> job tonight on commentary. I can't. I love this guy. Dude, I'm I'm right there with you. I love the body doing commentary. I really do. I think he is way way underrated for what he he can bring to a commentary table. I just like that he brings logic. Yeah, and he talks about yeah. logical fallacies and he well, questions the, the, the fact rules. That he, the fact that he calls it's okay for this one guy to do it, and you're like he really wrote the shit out of. Gorilla all night long, like it was okay when Chico yeah, did it. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah. come on. I man. love that he calls out, yeah, the the face commentator about like, oh, it's okay when they help him out, but oh, if the heel helps him out, yeah. it's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just loved it. We start out with this hot match. It's Rick Martel and the Z Man, Tom the can- Zink, the Can Am Connection, or as uh, 
of course, uh, Gorilla Monsoon would call them the K&N Connection, which is an air filter brand you can get for your car. Uh, they'll take on Mr. Fuji's team of Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. Ace Cowboy. Yes, who looks like a fat Randy Orton, as I saw in his face. He you know, looked- I gotta... I gotta bust his balls now. Here you are being a part of the main event only two years prior to this, and now you're you're jerking the curve. <laughs> you're kicking it off, man. But in this crowd, it's really not. That's true. In this, to be a part of this venue, this match with this crowd in this arena and all that, I would have I would have been on the pre-show if they had one just to be a part of it. Martel starts off against Morocco, but Martel quickly gets a tag to the Z-Man. They double monkey flip Morocco. Orton tags in and the Z-Man body slams him, locks in an armbar. Gorilla says, Zinc has the excellence of execution. How dare you, Gorilla? Uh, the teams exchange full Nelsons. Then Morocco attempts to deck the Z-Man, but hits Orton accidentally. Uh-oh, dissension. Morocco tags in and squares off with the Z-Man, then Orton knees him from behind. A swinging neckbreaker from Morocco, which looked good. And then Orton drops an elbow off the second rope after securing the tag. Martel gets the hot tag, Morocco does the flare flip, and the Can-Am connection throw Orton into Morocco. As the match descends into a bit of a brawl for a minute, Rick Martel hits a crossbody on Don Morocco and magically gets the win. One, two, three, the Can-Am connection. The the faces start out the night with a win uh, in a match that was a match. Yes. For the sake of matches... But I can't complain too much because all the matches are pretty short. This match only went 5.37. So, uh, no. no entrances. Those guys were already in the ring when we started. Ready to kick it off. They walked down beside Aretha. She was singing. So. <laughs> no complaints, really, about the opening match. It was something. It was. The second match is a little bit more than just something. It's a full Nelson challenge. Well, friend. here's the deal. Do you have? Do you know Billy Jack? Do the, I've seen him on NWA broadcast before. Okay, so you don't know much about this man. I know that he was one of the people that sued the WWE in the concussion lawsuit, and I think in the, he got Hep C or something. He was one of those guys. I only know him. Drugs have took a toll on this poor man's life, and he well, was, he was released shortly here after WrestleMania three. He was, and um. Well, he's in there with a guy just like him, Hercules. Oh, man, Hercules is huge. These guys, yeah. But, yeah, so building into this match, it's who who can put on the full Nelson? The Master Lock Challenge for Chris Masters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who, can, who can put on the full Nelson and who can break it? Mean Gene is with Hercules and Bobby Heenan and Hercules. Somehow, Hercules remembers bringing down the Pillars of Rome. In 1987, it turns out he had been alive for thousands of years. Yeah. He remembers bringing down Rome. The only problem is his hair was still too short. That's true. Bobby Heenan thinks that Billy uh, Haynes is actually Billy Jerk Haynes, not Billy Jack Haynes. So he wanted to get that over. This is the night's debut of the ring cart, which I think should make a comeback. I love them being brought to the ring in the ring cart. Do you know why the ring cart was done? Well, it was a long entrance ramp. Not just that. Uh, Because Andre couldn't make that walk. That's it. Andre couldn't make the walk. And instead of forcing Andre to ride it and nobody else... 
everybody must ride had to ride it. That is well, it. except Hogan. Well, Hogan and Piper. Yeah, Hogan and Piper. But yeah, no, that's exactly it. I I'm glad you brought that up. I wish they bring it back too. Don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome. They did it for that one rumble in. Uh, it was a golf cart in really? San Antonio, right? Yeah. But uh. But yeah, it's cool looking. It is cool thing. looking. I like it's a little mini ring that you're riding. They in. gotta take down the the ring ladies. Have to take the down the federettes. All. We need some federettes. Oh, back. sorry, I didn't know they were called the federettes. Yeah, yeah. they gotta take down all three ring ropes to for you to get out. Yeah, we need the federettes back. Dave Hebner is the ref for this match, just FYI. Hercules hits a knee lift to Haynes and beats him down. Haynes press slams Hercules. Haynes tries the full Nelson, but Hercules runs away. Haynes fires up, but Hercules stops him with a clothesline. Hercules softens up the back of Haynes, this is good psychology, by throwing him into the buckles and then hits him with a vertical suplex. He covers for two, but then he picks Haynes up before the three because he's a dirty heel. Then Hercules hits a backbreaker to Haynes. Then Hercules scoop slams Haynes. Hercules locks it on the full Nelson, but he can't lock his fingers, Patrick. And you know, if you can't lock your fingers, that thing just doesn't Can't hold hurt. it in. It's true. And it's because Billy Jack's fluffy head. That's his what it is. His fluffy hair That greasy, curly, him. fluffy hair. Like, he just can't. Billy Jack hulks up, but they take each other out with a clothesline. An inverted atomic drop from Haynes, followed by a clothesline, and then another one. Then Haynes hits a fist to Hercules' head from the second turnbuckle, locks in the full Nelson himself, so now Haynes got the advantage, but they tumble out to the floor, and then Billy Jack Haynes doesn't understand how matches work, and decides to lock in the full Nelson outside of the ring. Ding, ding, ding. Double count out, especial, and then Bobby Heenan. In a, I'd never seen Bobby Heenan get physical, but he goes and kicks... Billy Jack Haynes directly in the back of the head, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> uh, and Billy Jack Haynes is an idiot for doing this move and getting a count out. This match was one with a stipulation that I thought needed a payoff. We didn't get it. I was kind of disappointed. This is kind of a letdown. If it went 7.44. It went too long. It went too long, but... I wanted to see someone submit to the full Nelson. That was the whole point. I agree. If you're not going to have a clear finish in this Why match, even put that stiff on it? Don't have this match at all, in my opinion. It was odd to see Haynes get bloody, because uh, not a lot of people blading in uh, WWF no. in this time. And when I say bloody, he got really bloody from uh, For- Hercules' chain, as uh, Hercules got all his heat back after the match and decked him with his chain. Started whipping him with it. And- yeah, he got really bloody. And then, he gets locked in the full Nelson from Hercules, just for good measure. And by the way, yeah, Haynes would be gone very shortly after this match. Hercules sticking around until the early 90s. I mean, this guy had a long run. (laughs) King Kong Bundy is backstage with Mean Gene Okerlund. He's got Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo. They're going to take on Hillbilly Jim, Haiti Kid, and Little Beaver. The return of Haiti Kid from our... Bleeps, bloopers, and body slams video. King Kong Bundy says he's going to squash Hillbilly Jim. Jim says, I'm worried about my little buddies. And he tells his little buddies everything's going to be okay. Now, I watched this part on the network. Hillbilly Jim came out to his dub theme. Yeah, what's up Uh, with that bullshit? 
I don't know why they didn't pay for Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy. It's so know. central to his character. Yeah. And not only that, the Godwins used it. Like, they use this theme a lot. Like, fucking pay up, guys. Yeah. Now, I... I put in my DVD for the second half of this show, so I don't know if it was on my DVD that you gave me, um, but that DVD came out it, before 2007, because Benoit was in the, like, the Don't Hurt Yourself video, so no. uh, I don't know if it was on there or not, but fucking, pay for the fucking theme. It really hurts him when he comes out without it, because even Gorilla's like, don't go messing with a country boy. Okay, what does that mean? Jim and his midget team hoe down for a second, and he does a cartwheel. This is a very athletic uh, ma- man for a big, muscular wrestler guy. Hall of Famer. Congrats, Hillbilly. Yes. Bob Euchre is the guest commentator, as uh, he was at WrestleMania 2 as well, so he's reprising his role. Bundy takes Little Beaver and slams him, drops an elbow on him, and gets DQ'd. And there you go. Bundy wants to splash Little Beaver, but the little wrestlers protect him. And Jim, Hillbilly Jim, comes to his rescue as well. So we don't even get the payoff of King Kong Bundy splash to a little person. The sick side of me wanted to see this badly. Me too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He could have done it safely. This match went 325. Uh, You talk about falling down the card. I mean, King Kong Bundy. Wow, Man, he's the king of falling down the card. And see, for me, I think Bundy's one of the, he's up there with with um, Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, just uh, one of the best big guys, agile wise, that just really knew how to work a character. I loved his five count. That just remotely is a three count wasn't good enough. He had to have two more. So five count. It's weird that they've never brought him back for anything. I, I, I know. don't know what's gone on with them, but the gimmick battle royal at X Seven would have been perfect for King Kong. Oh, he, if it, yeah, he'd have won it too. I mean, they're just it'd well, be, I mean, be, it would have been believable for him too. Um, but yeah, you go from main eventing in a cage with Hogan from last year. Now here you are working with the the little wrestlers. So, yeah. kind of sucks. And then. Years later, they would bring him back to take on The Undertaker as Monster of the Month for The Undertaker. But Yeah. Mary Hart is with Miss Elizabeth, and she says, Are you trepidatious about today? But before Miss Elizabeth can speak, for the first time ever, we think we're getting a Miss Elizabeth... No, no, no. Finally. No. Fuck you. <laughs> Women don't speak. The macho man is here. He interrupts. He's holding his Intercontinental Championship. You know why women don't speak? Because they are to be seen and not heard. That's why. I think that's what Randy Savage would have you believe. Mary Hart says Randy Savage's real charm as he walks out and takes Elizabeth with him. Randy Hart, you must be fascinated with the macho man, Randy Savage. Do you want to ask me any questions? I'll answer them one by one. Go ahead. To tell you the truth, I was really looking forward to talking to the lovely Elizabeth because About she's the macho self- man, Randy Savage, and her kind of heavyweight champion, huh? Yeah. Is yes. it always this yes. way? Heavyweight champion, huh? Yeah. Is it always this way? Wow, can't believe it, man. Fascinating is the word of the day, and enthusiasm is where I go. Elizabeth, down that aisle. Wait wait a minute, Elizabeth, I'd love to talk to you a little bit later on. on You are a real charm. JYD is here next. He's here to take on King Harley Race. This all started 
When Junkyard Dog, how dare you? He put on the royal garments and would not bow to the king. That's right. Mean Gene is with Moolah, the queen of wrestling, and Bobby Heenan. And Moolah can't wait to crown the king Harley Race once again tonight. JYD says he'll be wearing the crown. JYD's theme here is also dubbed over, which really pissed me off on the network. Is this when you decided just to say fucking swap? <laughs> I couldn't swap because I was watching this at work. So, uh, I, uh, But I swapped one as soon as I got home. I didn't go back to see if, if his... Uh, what It was like Boogie Woogie or whatever. What was it called? Yeah, uh, like, let's see. Junkyard Dog theme. I don't know what it's called, but... Anyway, so, the bell rings for this match, despite Ray still being on the outside of the ring. Patrick Young, you gotta wait till he gets in the ring, man. I don't want to, man. JYD goes after Bobby the Brain, but gets booted by Harley Race. The dog comes back with elbows and a headbutt. They brawl on the outside, and Race takes another headbutt. JYD clotheslines Race into the ring. Race bumps outside the ring. This man was amazing at bumping out to the ring. He was bumping oh, like a yeah. boss out to the, to the outside. Man, he the way he would just flip completely over. It's scary. Yeah. For a man it, of his size. It was too. rough to watch. JYD slams Race back into the ring. JYD no-sells a headbutt from Harley Race because he's got a hard head. And then he gets thrown out again. But then the flat finish comes when JYD just gets belly-to-bellied by Harley Race. One, two, three. But JYD kicks at three. It almost seems like they fucked up this finish, but nope, doesn't matter. Counted to three. You're done. JYD. That's right. If he didn't kick, if he was going to kick out, he should have kicked out sooner. It's true. And so JYD loses this match in which he could have become king. So uh, a baby face loses a step that was important. Yeah. And uh, there you go. The heels, Moolah and Bobby and Harley want JYD to bow to Harley Race. Well, that's, I mean, that's... What you do to royalty. Yeah. He sort of does it. He doesn't get down on his knees, but he does bow. But Race was down in a chair, and so when Race gets to the bow, he stands up. He's like, okay, you did it. And JYD, like a dirty heel, smashes Harley Race in the head with the chair. He does. JYD then puts on the royal robe and leaves and gets all his heat back. So it really didn't matter if he won or lost this match because... He got the upper hand. He still got the robe. Good enough. Vince is with Hulk Hogan, who I will have to include this promo because it is the classic Hulk Hogan promo. As he rips his shirt off midway through. All he, all I have to do, brother, is beat the seven foot four, four hundred fifty pound giant, brother. Hulkamania is gonna get you because it's the purest form of the truth, brother. It's the purest form. Well, you know, they said it was my last ride, man. Yesterday, when I finished hanging and banging, when I jumped on the Harley, man, as I went through the intersection, as I headed for the mountains, as I headed for the mountains, some of the non-believers in the gym said, see you later, Hulkster, man. This is your last ride. It ate me alive, brothers. When I felt the fury, as I ripped, as I tore the shirt, as I headed for the sunset, man, I looked down, brothers, and as the sun beamed off the gold in my eyes, I realized that sooner or later, you gotta live and die and you gotta face the truth. And for you, Andre the Giant, it's time to face the truth, brother. Because when I think about what you and I have to do, man, what I have to do is nothing. 
All I have to do is merely beat a seven foot four, 550 pound giant. But Andre, you gotta face the truth, brother. In its purest form, man, the purest truth there is, man, the trade and the saying, the prayers, the eating the vitamins. And to beat me, man, you've got to beat every Hulk I maniac, every little Hulkster in the world, everyone that plays it straight, all the ones that don't take any shortcuts, brother. And they usually say, if the dirty air don't get you, the politicians will. But in this case, it's going to be Hulkamania. And the reason it's going to get you, man, it's the purest form of the truth there is. And I can't wait to see you go down at the feet of Hulkamania in front of 90,000 plus in the Silver Dome. What you going to do, Andre the Giant, when the real truth, the 24-inch pythons and Hulkamania runs wild on you? All the little Hulkamaniacs are going to reach down and help me pull this victory off, brother. What you going to do, Andre the Giant? And there you go. That's our first of two Hogan promos. Yeah, we tonight. do. We get we get two Hogan and two Andre. Right. So They were fair. Equal time. The fabulous Rougeos are in the ring when we return. Taking on the Dream Team. The Dream Team... It's Dino Bravo, Brutus Beefcake, and Greg the Hammer Valentine are out. Let's let's. Dino Bravo is going to be outside. It's strictly going to be the Hammer and Beefcake. Right. Dino is just there to observe. Right. This is the Dream Team, of course. Before the Dream Team of 1992, which was the uh, NBA players that won us the gold medal. Thanks, guys. This is the original Dream Team. That's right. You know what, Ed, Ed Leslie, and Greg the Hammer Valentine—they're my dream team. Damn it! Why do you need an extra guy, Johnny Valiant? We just do. Raymond, I was, I was, I was excited to see Johnny Valiant in this. After, yeah, he just, just passed just away. Passing, yeah, just. What's crazy? He passed away at the age of seventy-two. He looked ancient here. <laughs> it's something about that white hair that just makes that Ric Flair always looked. The same age he is today to me because yeah. of that white hair. And yeah. Johnny Valiant's the same way. <laughs> it's amazing he was only 72. So Raymond starts with Brutus and Atomic drops him. Jacques tags in. They double drop kick Brutai. Brutai as... Uh, Brother Bru. Brother Brutus. <laughs> as, uh, of course, Gorilla would call him that. Hammer tags in and the Rojus continue their attack. Ray misses a second turnbuckle crossbody on the hammer. Brutus gets tagged in and just kicks Ray. He is pretty awful in the ring. Sorry, Ed Leslie. He lifts him <laughs> up, and Greg hits a hammer fist and then drops Jacques down into a backbreaker. Hammer tries the figure four, but Jacques gets to the ropes. Heenan joins on commentary and claims that he's undefeated tonight. He's 2-0. and He's having a great night. Uh, great heel commentary from Bobby Heenan. The best would be yet to come, Bobby. <laughs> Ray picks up Valentine. Jacques goes to the top and hits the Roju bomb, which means that Jacques jumps off the top and basically hits Valentine in the face with his dick. Amazing. Bravo. It's like the whoopee cushion Dork Clown used to do. By the yeah, way. it's a it's like a flying senton. Yeah, seated senton. Bravo breaks the cover, hits Ray in the gut, rolls Valentine on on top, and the Dream Team. Dreams do come true. The heels get a win. Now, Beefcake, despite being on a heel team, 
is upset with the heels cheating. and uh, He wanted a clean victory. He wanted to earn it fairly. It's odd, though, that you work for heel, a heel manager. You have a heel partner. So you know what? They're pissed off at him, right? Yeah, so Valiant, Bravo, and Valentine... They just get on the damn cart and say, Fuck you, walk back to the locker room. We're taking the cart and going back. They cruise off and the dream is over. The dream team has been... The dream has been destroyed. And Brutai is left all to his own devices. I guess we'll never see him again tonight. No, we're not going to see him ever again. He will never amount to anything. The crowd went wild for the next match, ladies and gentlemen. Second to the main event, this was the crowd most hot for this next match. And it features Adrian Adonis, of all people, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. In a hair versus hair match. A dirty heel, Rowdy. Nope, he's a face now. Sorry, You know why? Guys. Because this is his retirement this, Right. You will never see him wrestle again. How like many all times, pro how wrestlers. How many fucking times has he had a retire? He's almost up there with, with Terry Funk. I gotta be honest with you. Because it was this one, then it was WrestleMania 6, six I think? Or was... No, 7. Eight. Eight. When did he wrestle Brett and lose the IC title? I want to say it was five. Five or six. I don't remember. Yeah, his one title belt that he won from the Rougeau brother. He won yeah. from uh, the Mountie. Yeah. Um, he's, it was stated that if he lost the title, then he was going to retire then, too. So, you know. Well, and he, then he went on to fucking... Primetime wrestling. Primetime wrestling. Saturday night's primetime wrestling. So when Heenan retired and did the Bobby Heenan show on primetime wrestling, it was Piper was right. brought in as the co-host. Well, Piper... At this and he was also a commentator. He did a couple pay-per-views. Yeah. Piper was leaving at this point in time, though, to go and film yours, my, all of our favorite movie, They, they Live. Live. Yes. Yeah, so we had Andre filming Princess Bride, and we had Piper filming They Live, two, uh, two of the best wrestling wrestler movies, probably ever. Yeah, and then Around we got, the same time. Then we got the body coming out with Predator. Yeah, so big movies. Yeah. All three guys. Stay had tuned till next year, because I guarantee you, you're going to see Hogan come out as Rip. So... Well, I get. I mean, Hogan was Rocky too. So I mean, oh, that's Hogan true. was already in the. Hogan had already done the the whole movie thing. Thunderlips. Thunderlips. A promo package recaps all Adrian Adonis sneak attacks. So Piper's pit sneak attack, other segment sneak attack, and then Piper would go after Jimmy Hart. Uh oh, here comes Adrian Adonis to beat the shit out of him. It didn't seem to matter what have Rowdy you, Roddy Piper did. Have you seen the build to this match more than just this little excerpt here? No. Okay. So, what was cool about it was you had the flower shop right beside Piper's pit. Okay? And there were times where they would actually get into a verbal dispute. And the camera would pull back and show both of them side by side. And they're one's on one set, one's on the other, and they're yelling at each other on their own specific sets. It was the way they built for this match was so hilarious and so entertaining that it I was I had forgotten that I it was on this match. I was thinking for some reason it was WrestleMania four, but it's not. It's on this one, and uh, it's it, <laughs> it, you need to go back and watch the build up. It's very very hilarious. 
Adonis and Jimmy Hart come to the ring with Jimmy handling the mirror for Adonis. And Adonis has those hedge clippers that aren't very good at cutting hair. Anytime they've actually been used to try to cut hair, they don't work very well. Hedge clippers? Yeah. Don't come at me with a pair of hedge clippers. Well, no, it's scary. It's a scary weapon, but... I'll take a pair of clippers all day long. You can scalp me if you have to, and I'm bleeding. But don't come at me with no damn hedge. But clippers. those hedge clippers, they don't cut hair very. Good. No. That's the thing. Like that's why I didn't even bother using them. <laughs> so damn big. Like who the fuck? Some person holds it, and then you go like squeeze. <laughs> like, you're you're working just one armed, and you're holding the hair up to try to cut it. <laughs> well, and I think the blades aren't sharp, you know, because they're, they're dull enough they have to cut through, you know, branches and shit. And this yeah. is little hair, you yeah. know. This is tiny stuff, so it just folds. <laughs> so, anytime they try to actually use these shears, it never works. So, we go to an interview from earlier where Jimmy Hart says, you spell wrestling A-D-O-N-I-S. Then, bagpipes hit and Roddy Piper's out and the crowd goes fucking mental. They go ballistic. They love this guy. They do. He's announced his retirement. This is it. This is it. We'll never see him again. Never. A standing ovation. 80,000 people. 93,000. Okay, yeah. (laughs) If you're the WWF, yes. All 93,000 plus stood. Or if you're factual, about 78 to 80,000 all stood up in unison for Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper takes off his own belt which is not a title belt just a regular like a uh, slack belt his uh, kilt belt yeah and he decides to just smack the shit out of adonis and choke jimmy hart so i guess this is no dq wears his ass out with this belt adonis though gets the belt and then wallops piper with it so we've got an eye for an eye here with this belt <laughs> piper nails adonis over the ropes but catches him before he falls to the floor he nails Adonis and Hart's heads together. So he throws the heels together. Then he throws both men to the outside, and the crowd loves Piper running wild on both heels. Piper rocket launches Jimmy Hart into Adrian Adonis. Then Adonis rakes Piper's chest and clotheslines him. Piper slows Adonis down with an eye poke for a second, but Hart cheap shots Piper, who Adonis threw into the ring. Hart sprays that cologne shit in Piper's face, and he gets locked in Adonis' sleeper. This is another match where the two guys have the same finisher. That's right. Now, Piper tries to roll out of it, but Adonis keeps it locked on. It's called the Goodnight Irene, if you're Adrian Adonis. Hart is dancing with the Clippers, but Adonis, guess what? He breaks the hold before the ref drops Piper's hand for the third time. What an idiot. And so Piper wakes up, Beefcake comes to the ring, saves Rowdy Roddy Piper. What He wakes him up, basically, just shakes him alive, you know, like, hey, here you go, wake up, come on. Yeah, so, so the beefer is back, and then Adonis goes and grabs the Clippers, thinking he had won the match, and then hits himself with the blunt end of the Clippers, not the sharp end, or it would have been a tragedy. <laughs> Piper locks in his own sleeper and the crowd goes fucking mental even though they had just seen a sleeper. They did. They went absolutely nuts. And the fact that he puts him to sleep ding 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 It's rare to see someone go to sleep. Adrian Adonis is now going to have to be shaved bald. Brutus turns into a barber. He does. This is where the barber was invented. 
I know, and at WrestleMania 23, I finally made the connection why it was a hair versus hair match. They wanted to recall this event, but they yeah. didn't call Ed Leslie. No. So unfair. Now, they don't use those plant shears on the hair of right, Adrian God. Adonis. Instead, Brutus, he's a professional barber at this point now. He shaves Adonis's head with electric shears. And then Piper holds Jimmy Hart down, and he says, hey, come over here next. But Brutus doesn't see this. Piper laughs as Brutus keeps cutting. He shows the mirror to Adonis, who hits it, but it doesn't break. So he didn't get seven years bad luck. Sadly, he got much quicker bad luck in his own uh, life. Adonis wears Hart's jacket over his head as he leaves because he's ashamed of his bald head. There's nothing worse than being bald. Yes. I mean, he's already a man in makeup. He's got this very feminine character, but this is what he's ashamed. This is what has crossed the line. He's beautiful locks of hair he lost. Meanwhile, the crowd is going fucking nuts for Adriati Piper. This is it. This this is is their farewell. It's done. To one of their favorite heels ever. Now, what I want, I, this made me want to go watch They Live. I'm not going to exaggerate. Now, I this is a underrated portion of this match, and I, I didn't re- remember this match, but a fan runs in. Now, most fans, yes. when they run in, wrestlers immediately, what do they do? They deck fucking the deck shit them. Out of them. Yeah. No, not Piper. Piper's like, hey, man, holds out his hands. Piper has no fucking fear. That's what Shake. it tells me. Is that this man doesn't care. This guy just wanted... He. This is the last time he was going to see this guy. Yeah. I don't blame this fan at all. No, what he hell did. no. And this is his favorite wrestler. Probably. He's wearing, you know, the plaid shirt. This yeah. is a guy that he loved. He ran that barricade. He goes in there. And instead of decking him, which is what any other wrestler would do, Piper just shakes his hand and taps him on the shoulder and just like, yeah, thanks, man. Parties with him for a second and gets out. And then the security beats they the shit. They tackled the shit out of this poor kid. Now, let me refrain. Let me reiterate this. I say it was totally worth it for that guy to spend the night in jail. Because <laughs> he's on the DVD. He's on this forever. Oh, absolutely. The kids now that are fans of mine, if you storm the ring, I, I will gladly shake your hand for through a jail cell but i'm knocking the shit out of you just so we're clear well any uh, i mean <laughs> i'm not gonna be as friendly as piper so I just well, that's to, why i say i want to specify no, that i just say that's why he has no fear because yeah. even back in in the 80s like who knows what you're coming into the ring with you yeah know, he could be coming in there to stab him yeah i got a switchblade yeah on him. yeah i mean that's the thing is like yeah, they had that tennis player that got stabbed. You know, you had Sid Vicious, you know, stab a wrestler. Oh, fuck. Sid stabs Arn. So. Or you had, uh, what's his name down in Puerto Rico? Uh, oh, uh, Bridger Brody get stabbed. Yeah, so you never know what's coming your way or whatever, but Piper yeah. has no fear. That's why when he came back to WCW in like 96 or whatever and he had the no fear shirt, I believe him. Yeah. Now no, this gives yeah. a credibility. Yeah. But so. it's it's just it cracks me up though to think that you mentioned Adrian Adonis. Sadly, for fans who don't know, kind of elaborate on that. So Adonis would get fired from this company. Uh, just he would yeah right after this event. Literally, right after. Yeah, he was going to have a feud with Brutus, and it never took off because he got fired for, quote, dress code violations, which is just absurd. 
I, I really don't know the actual reason. That's just what it states on his Wikipedia page. So he goes to the AWA. He gets managed by Paul Heyman, one of the original Paul Heyman guys right here, Adrian Adonis. Then goes to New Japan for a bit in 1988, but sadly would come back uh, to Newfoundland. He was in a van with some other wrestlers. The driver. This only happens. This is definitely a Canada story. So, Newfoundland. There's a moose in the road. The driver swerves to avoid hitting the moose. The car, the van, falls into a creek, and Adonis dies from head injury. suffered from this car crash. It's terrible he was just 34 years old another guy on this card that looks ancient yeah you know i would have never guessed he was only 33 well, or dino whatever. bravo oh, yeah dino another I, want to, one. I want to specify dino bravo seeing him on this card getting murdered by the mob the yeah. mob yeah he's a mob selling hit. cigarettes he's a, bring, he was he's, a he's cigarette a, he's a fucking mob hit what not even a year and a half after this like it's it's, it's crazy. crazy yeah. yeah it is it's very crazy because so, most, you know, most wrestling deaths are usually, you know, drug-related or steroids, you yeah. know. These two guys had really crazy ends. Like, yeah. Dino Bravo just bringing... Because uh, there's a big... Cigarettes are a lot more expensive in Canada. They always have been. So you can bring them across the border. You can't tell the border agent, like, I've got a trunk full of cigarettes because then you'll get taxed or whatever for them. So he was part of the cigarette smuggling operation and apparently he crossed somebody along the way and yeah got the mob got shirt yeah the cigarette smuggling mob like no shit the yeah. mob it was a part of their being able to make their money at the time and he got shot to death and in his house. they they assassinated him in his living room and uh and so i was i had forgotten he was on this pay-per-view i was thinking that this had happened before yeah yeah and so no, he still had that uh, bench pressing, the world bench pressing right. record with right. uh, Jesse lifting up the bar for him coming up. So. I, I think it was a clean, clean lift. <laughs> I, I still dispute it. Still dispute it. Adonis, I thought, had a character that he was way ahead of his time. This is a predecessor to Goldust. I mean, a, a million times. He took what was well, cool. Gorgeous George. I was going to say of. what was so cool about it is he took Gorgeous George though. Sort of modernized it, and mo- yeah, modernized the '80s version of it, and so and or gorgeous George took it into he was he was manly beautiful. Adrian took it into kind of androgynous. Yeah, Adrian. Little, I mean Adonis, androgynous, it almost yeah, goes together. Yeah. yeah, he took it a little bit of another direction, which then, like you said, led into Goldust, in my opinion. Yeah. So Adrian paving paving ground here that I, I think doesn't get credit for. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's terrible. This is one of the guys that the company's forgotten about. Yeah, him along with Dino Bravo, two guys at the company. You know, I and sad to say, I think you will never hear nope. their name spoke again. Nope. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. Like Andrew Martin, Test. I mean, guys, guys that have less than desire. If they don't, if they meet their end by some less than desirable fashion, you're not going to hear much. Well, about it's like them. you're, you know, unf- Bulldog has, yeah. has passed, but I mean, Dynamite's still alive. And we've yet to hear a damn thing of them saying a single word about Dynamite. Yeah, well, and I mean, we've That's seen. That's our it. next match, is the only reason I'm bringing it up. Yeah. So. Euchre's with Mary Hart, and Gorilla says. 
It's getting sort of dark in the Silver Dome. Slowly but surely. Fink brings Ventura to the ring for a big pop, which was weird because he just grabbed the British Bulldog, the mascot, Matilda, right? Was right. her name. And then he rode away. You know why, right? He kidnapped Matilda. Oh, I didn't know this played into a storyline. It line. did. He oh, kidnapped... Okay. That's the only fucking reason he was down there. Well, I thought it was also, too, just for him, he wanted to go see this crowd well, from yeah, the ring. But it played into the fact that he was doing... He was doing Jimmy Hart's dirty work. Jimmy Hart wanted Matilda to be kidnapped, which played into a huge feud, which led on for another year or whatever with the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. And so... The Hart Foundation's already in the ring. Dangerous Danny Davis. The man who stole my gimmick. The wrestling referee, Danny Day. What the fuck? He's their partner for the six-man tag. I wasn't alive yet, but he stole my gimmick. I just want I want that to be known. They toss to a pre-tape with the Hart Foundation. Tito Santana and the Bulldogs say, You want a war? I guess Scott Hall was listening. <laughs> Jimmy does all the talking for them, though, as they would have sucked through this promo. The British Bulldogs and Matilda, accompanied with Tito, come down to the ring. Chico. Matilda chases Jimmy Hart out of the ring. Tito jumps the Hart Foundation. The Bulldogs press slam Danny Davis to the outside onto the Hart Foundation. Mary Hart is on commentary with Euchre. Mary Hart clarifies she's not a member of the Hart Foundation, which I thought was wise to uh, specify. Tito squares off with Anvil a second, but Davy Boy quickly tags in. Brett misses a second rope elbow. Dynamite Kid is in with Brett, and Brett tees off on him. Gorilla calls Brett the excellence of execution, so, hey, Gorilla, it's time to decide who's the excellence of execution here. Make up your mind, man. The hearts keep Dynamite away from his corner and double-team him. Tino, Tito gets the hot tag and destroys Danny Davis, a flying burrito to Davis, and then he decks him with the stiff right hands, looks for a figure four, but Anvil breaks up the submission attempt. Davy Boy tags in. Davy Boy hits a leaping tombstone pile driver to Danny Davis. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, that's not enough. Lifts him up for a suplex as this man is dead. Davy Boy looked awesome for these two minutes as he was probably sucking wind after it. Davy then hits an amazing looking power slam. And then Anvil, though, breaks it up. Tito knocks him out of the ring. So Dynamite takes out Brett. Then we get Danny Davis destroying Dynamite with the bullhorn from Jimmy Hart covers and Danny Davis getting a big win for all the referees out there. Patrick Young smiling in delight. I am. As Danny Davis wins despite having no idea where he is and Jimmy Hart and the Hart Foundation carry him out as he has stolen one. Another one for yeah. the bad guys. Danny Danny Davis steals a lot of things. He stole this win. He stole my gimmick. He, just, he steals stuff like crazy. It's ridiculous. What the hell? No, I love. I I thought this was great. This is an awesome. It was fun. Six, it yeah. was an awesome six man. Awesome six man. No no complaints. Uh, like I said, most of the matches on here are very short. This one only went eight fifty two. This is actually one of the longer matches on it, the card. Yeah, it is. I actually I, thought Mary and Bob did a decent job on commentary. By the way, yes, I was about to say that. I thought they did outstanding on this match. However, I had forgotten moving forward into that this next match had even happened. Gene is backstage with Andre, who looks like a zombie as he just stares. 
Heenan says, He's showing you how massive he is. This man will be heavyweight champion. He's undefeated. And the clock is ticking on Hulkamania. And I'm privileged to be standing next to the most extraordinary athlete of all time. He is not elected until this date to challenge Hulk Hogan for the heavyweight championship. And this afternoon at WrestleMania 3, Bobby Heenan, your man, Andre the Giant, will be doing just that. You bet he's going to be doing just that. He's going to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And I'll tell you why. First of all, the man is undefeated in over 15 years as a professional athlete. Hulk Hogan has never been in the ring or met a man bigger than him, stronger than him, taller than him, that weighs more than him, and with a burning will inside more than Andre the Giant. You see, Hogan, few short hours from now, that clock is ticking, and it's ticking in our direction, not yours. Hulkamania is over. Hulkamania is dead. The door's going to be shut on the history books of Hulk Hogan once and for all. There is a new heavyweight champion of the world, the odds-on favorite in Las Vegas and all over the whole wrestling world. They're picking Andre the Giant. Nobody can defeat this man. Nobody even can come close to defeating this man. And Hogan, I know what's happening to you now because it's happening to me. The butterflies are in my stomachs. The adrenaline's flowing through my veins, and I'm getting ready because I'm going to manage the heavyweight champion of the world. And Hogan, hey, you had three good years. You got nothing to look back on, but it's all over. Andre the Giant, the new heavyweight champion of the world. The biggest heavyweight title bout of all time, Andre the Giant, to meet Hulk Hogan. That clock would continue to tick uh, to this day. It's still ticking. Hulkamania is still running wild, unfortunately. He'll live forever. Bobby is really good, so I'll include his promo. This show is really just a showcase of how good Bobby Heenan is, by the way. Oh, man, Bobby. Bobby was on Cloud 9 tonight. Uh, I mean, just... He, he had about every other match. He had. A he climb. did, and he really... You said it kind of jokingly, but it's true. This tonight was all about Bobby Heenan, man. It showed you that he was, as far as managers were concerned, he was the end-all, be-all. Slick, the Jive Soul Bro, is in the ring. Butch Reed is in the ring as well. I had forgotten about this match. (laughs) Coco Beware is out next with his bird. My my fellow Tennessean, Coco Beware with Frankie. Frankie, of course. Coming to the ring to take on... Coming to his theme song, Pile Driver, off the Pile Driver soundtrack. Or whatever. The natural Butch Reed. Not to be confused with the natural Dustin Rhodes. Jesse Ventura is now back in the booth, and he's switched to his WrestleMania 3 t-shirt. Gotta sell some merch tonight, guys. Well, yeah, absolutely. I want one of those shirts, by the way. Butch Reed is fucking jacked. <laughs> and ripped. The crowd loves Coco Beware, though. Ventura keeps calling Coco Beware Buckwheat. He also says that Jack Tunney should cut down on all this fucking fist tape, which is some of my more favorite lines from Ventura. Everyone had fist tape on. They're throwing illegal punches. Coco drop kicks Butch out of the reed. The Birdman fires up on Reed with lefts and another drop kick. Reed reverses a crossbody from Coco and covers with the tights and gets the win. One, two, three. And there you go. In... 339, Butch Reed with Slick takes out Coco Beware. Coco gets some of whatever heat he had back, back by decking Reed, but then Slick beats down Coco, so I guess that's not good. Who's out to save you? Of course, Tito Santana. Chico! Chico comes out, beats up Slick, and rips his $1,000 suit right off of him. 
And it's like a ten thousand dollar suit, man. That that's terrible. How dare he? I note here. I really like how faces come in and help other faces for no real reason. Like, no. Like oh, be- you're gonna see that shit later on again. Like beefcake earlier. Yeah. Like it's something that today's wrestling never happens. Never. Like when a face loses, another face that's not associated with him, he's not just gonna come out. There. Like I got your back. I'll take care of you. Frankie, Coco, and Tito all ride off into the sunset. Up next. Steamboat and Savage. Macho destroyed this man's throat with the ring bell and the guardrail. He did. It's amazing the man is able to speak to carry on what I consider one of Ricky Steamboat's greatest interviews of all time. This promo is outstanding. I love it. I hope you put this clip in here. Oh, yeah. Macho man, Randy Savage, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, was in a state of shock when Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came back, yeah. But this time, in front of the largest audience in the world, I will not only embarrass you, not only pin you with the one, two, three count, but I'm going to put you out of wrestling for good. Oh, yeah, Dragon. I am the Lord and Master of the Ring, and you're going to find that out one athlete to another right now. You can't be with me, no. History beckons the Macho Man, yeah. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, someone special George the Animal Steel in your corner. However, in my opinion, this could be your last shot at Randy Savage and the Intercontinental title. My last opportunity. Randy Savage, the day has finally come. The minutes, the seconds, we have reached our moment. As you and I climb into the ring, we clash like two titans. But there will only be one winner. One winner, Savage. This dragon will be the fire. This dragon will scorch your back. I will come away with the championship belt and see new horizons. Georgie Animal Steel stole Elizabeth and Steamboat wants Macho Man. Macho cuts a promo saying he's going to embarrass him and history beckons the Macho Man. Gene is with Steamer. He has George Steele in his corner. He says this is his last shot at the IC belt. And two titans tonight will clash. His dub theme plays him out, even on the DVD version. See, that, yeah. They couldn't get him the, the Jordan song, Fucking whatever pisses it's me. That does piss me off, man. Dragon, arm drag Savage, of course. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And Savage bails out. You know what? He's like, oh, gotta re- rethink this match, brother. Gotta come at it from a different angle, and brother. he says, you know what, Elizabeth, you're in the wrong corner. So he picks her up and moves her to the proper corner. Another deep arm drag sequence and double choke to Randy Savage as Steamboat is moving very quickly here. Macho tries a quick cover for a one count. We get Steamboat chance in the Pontiac Silverdome. A wrist lock into an arm bar and he drops Randy Savage over the ropes with it. A reverse elbow slows Steamboat down from Randy Savage. Savage dumps Steamboat out of the ring. Savage kicks him down and when he tries to get back in the ring... Savage goes after Steamboat's damaged throat with an elbow as Steamer tries to get back in the ring. Savage then knee drops Steamer in the throat for a two count. Steamer fires up on Macho in the corner. He chops Macho into the ropes, and Steamer just continues to tee off on him. Steamer gets a two count from a crossbody. Shoulder tackles keep Macho down before Macho plants a knee into the back of Ricky Steamboat. Steamboat skins the cat after Macho tosses him out. But he gets knocked right back down. Macho knees Steamboat right over the guardrail. And Macho wants to take the count out win like a dirty heel. But Animal, Georgie Animal Steel, carries Ricky Steamboat back to the ring. Absolutely. It's that important to Georgie Animal Steel. 
he he's taking care of his friend. He's making sure that his friend gets okay, gorilla. This win. No, this is illegal. No, it's Should not. Be thrown out. No, it's not. Macho. Would it be illegal if Elizabeth carried Macho to the ring? Yeah. No. What's the damn difference? Macho just throws him out again. Macho then hits a double axe to Steamer on the outside. Ventura is pissed off at Dave Hebner's counts on the outside. Justifiably. This man should have been counted out like 30 times over. They get back in the ring and Macho hits another double axe. Then a running elbow. Then Macho Macho drapes Steamer's neck over the ropes. But only gets a two. A vertical suplex to Steamer for a two count. Steamer wakes up, starts chopping Macho, but Macho rakes the eyes. Gut wrench suplexes him for a two count. Steamer back body drops Savage over the ropes. Savage rolls in, and Steamer hits his top turnbuckle karate chop. Ow! Wapow! Right over the referee, by the way. For a two count before Savage gets a foot on the ropes. A sunset flip to Savage, but he kicks it too. An inside cradle, and Savage kicks it too. Another near fall as Savage keeps kicking out. Ventura says it's one of the greatest matches he's ever seen. Steamboat slingshots Macho into the post, and he kicks out again. Dave Hepner is sucking wind, and the whole first five rows have passed out from oxygen deprivation at this point in time. They keep exchanging near falls. Steamboat finally gets thrown shoulder first into the post. Hebner then takes a ref bump. Savage goes up for his top rope elbow, hits it. It's beautiful. No ref. Dave, you gotta wake up, man. Macho tries waking him up. Savage decides, you know what, while he's down, I'm gonna get the ring bell. That's right, brother. He goes to do some damage to his throat, but Georgie Animal Steel once again stops him. Grabs the bell. Yes, yeah, Savage grabs the bell again from the animal, though, but the animal grabs it right back. Savage tries a scoop slam, but Steamboat rolls him up for a quick win. One, two, three, and the place goes nuts. And ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed literally one of the greatest matches in professional wrestling history. And I'm not exaggerating. That is up there. I think it still could be performed today by... I mean, it still holds up today. Oh, yeah. You put this on TV today, and you're seeing 205 Live guys are still doing the exact same shit that these guys were doing in 1987. Well, they're... They're so fast-paced. They uh, don't take any breaks. This, I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating. This is straight from the heart here. One of the greatest matches I've ever seen. They move in light speed compared to the rest of the card, though. Yeah. It's just... Uh, One of the greatest matches of all time. Fantastic. Uh, even despite the loss, Elizabeth can't help but crack a smile because she knows how well the match went. Steel puts Steamboat on the ring cart, and they get the hell out of there. <laughs> Savage the- wakes up. <laughs> Ventura is furious about this miscarriage of justice. Macho Man is dejected. I love the way he sells losing this belt. He's crying as he rolls away on his cart. His ring cart. Back to the... And, uh, yeah. An amazing match. Uh, still holds up. It's the best match on this card tonight, by far. Oh, yeah. By far, it is, hands down, the best match on this card. And... One of the best, not only in WrestleMania history, but of all time. And a carefully scripted out match. It goes with my argument that those are the best matches, Patrick. See? Fair enough, but I I, I think you got to feel the fans a lot, too. I argue against it. Even though you and DDP and the rest of, or the rest of, of, of today's crowd thinks it... Uh, I I 
argue against it. You just got to feel with what the crowd's feeling. Jake the Snake is backstage with Alice Cooper, of course. Jake got hit with a legit guitar by the Honky Tonk Man. This looked very painful. This, okay. Get a worked guitar. This Get a wasn't, Jeff Jarrett guitar. This wasn't a worked guitar. Uh, they did not swap like they were supposed to. And it, it was supposed to be at first, but last minute they couldn't find one. And so they told Jake, and Jake's like, oh, I can take that. And in his drug and drugged up state. And so it knocks him silly. Like, it is one of the most brutal, disturbing uh, guitar shots you'll ever see. Uh, yeah, wooden guitars are not lightweight. No. They are pretty heavy, and they would hurt. Yeah, he was picking fiberglass out of his head for like two weeks. I had for once again had forgotten this was on this this card. Jake cuts a promo saying, "Hey, I'm still walking. That's good enough." That's right. Jake was was it me or was he drugged out of his mind at this point in time? Like he looked high. Him and he okay. Him and Alice Cooper both looked higher. Than Alice Cooper just looked disinterested in being there. <laughs> Alice Cooper says, "I'll be watching you, Jimmy Hart." Ventura really puts over the last match as Jake the Snake and Alice Cooper come out on the ring cart. The crowd loves Jake. Honky Tonk Man is in a pre-tape with Mean Gene. The people want to see Honky Tonk Man sing and dance. Sorry, you don't get any of that tonight. Honky Tonk Mama. They sort of cut away before he's finished cutting the promo, which is funny that he ran out of time on his pre-tape promo. Jake jumps him immediately. Honky Tonk Man can't even get out of his Elvis suit, so Jake helps him and rips it off for him. That's a honky suit. Who's 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 this guy Elvis? I don't know who this is. Honky slows him down by nailing Jake with a knee, but Jake quickly fires back up. Jake tries for the DDT, but Honky slips out to recover. Jake gets run into the post and into the guardrail while Honky dances in the ring. Alice Cooper helps Jake up and tries to get him back into the ring. More of this fucking interference here. Face interference. As Honky knocks him down again. Ventura mentions that Snake should have been counted out. He should have. Thank you, Ventura, again. When Jake gets in the ring, he scoop slams him and knee drops him. Honky calls for the shake, rattle, and roll, but doesn't go for it for some reason. A reverse elbow and knee to Jake, and Honky Tonk Man instead decides now to go for the shake, rattle, and roll, but Jake back body drops out of it. Corner punches to Jake from Honky. Then Jake counters with an inverted atomic drop. The snake wakes up. Honky calls for time. I need time. Time out. Time out. Jake calls for the DDT. The crowd gets on their feet. They're like, yeah, we're going to get it. But, oh no. Jimmy Hart holds his leg when he goes for the DDT. Honky rolls him up with the ropes and beats Jake the Snake, who couldn't get his DDT. The crowd just wants a DDT. Yeah. Even if he lost the match, they didn't get the DDT. Well, you can't upstage the big body slam coming up later tonight. So What body slam? There's a body slam? Yes. Uh, spoiler alert. Jake misses smashing Honky with the guitar, which sucks. I wish he would have connected. Thanks a lot, Alice Cooper. You did jack shit for this match. Alice <laughs> Cooper, though, does offer to fight Jimmy Hart. <laughs> I lo- he rips his jacket off, and this pencil whip, I mean, th- there's not an ounce of muscle on him. No, he's a skeleton. Yeah, like, it's kind of disturbing. Alice, though, does get out Damien. And is scared to throw Damien on Jimmy Hart himself. So Jake eventually has to say, okay, I'll take this. I'll show you how to do it. And just 
chucks the snake <laughs> as he knows that Damien can take a bump. <laughs> he picks up Damien. <laughs> okay, so I love this. <laughs> Alice Cooper is cautiously approaching. He is holding. He is holding Jimmy Hart in a full Nelson, and Jimmy is squirming and kicking at Alice to try to keep that snake, keep Damien from him. Finally, it pisses Jake off to the point Jake just throws Jimmy down. I got this. Grabs Damien. I worked with this snake before. I know what he can take. Literally, I mean, and you talk about taking a bump. He just throws Damien. Throws this fucking snake like six feet yeah. out there to get right on top of. Not like, I'll show you how to handle a snake, buddy. Here, let me give you this. Yeah, it was set up so that Alice would throw the snake on on Jimmy Hart, and while Jake had him held. But yeah, he was like, eventually he was like, you know what, Alice, I can tell you're not doing it. Throw Jimmy Hart down here. Give me the damn snake, fuck that, and just chucks Damien. Damien goes for a ride. Damien. What a ride, Damien. Damien better get a hell of a payday because that was a sh- that was a bump and a half for that poor snake. And Jimmy and Honky run for the locker room uh, like a couple of babies. <laughs> so there you go. That was probably the funniest thing that happened all night. Jean comes to the ring and lies about the attendance, but whatever. Shiki Baby is out next. What? No, you cannot skip this. Yeah, he comes. Fink it's, introduces me. It's a mean new Jean. indoor attendance record of 93,173. Let's all give ourselves a round of applause. Yeah. We are awesome. <laughs> Shiki Baby is out with Slick and his partner, Nikita Koloff. Volkov sings the national anthem of the Soviet Union. Then Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who isn't in this match, by the way, comes out there and swings a two-by-four Who isn't on the card, by the way? B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel, the Killer Bees, are the actual opponents tonight. So the heels jump them. The Bees fire up on the heels. The Bees double-team the Sheik. Brunzel nails... Brunzel nails Sheik with a dropkick, but Volkov makes a save. USA chance breakout, of course. Thanks, Hacksaw. Volkov catches Brunzel in a bear hug, but he punches out of it. Sheik gut-wrench suplexes Brunzel over, then vertical suplex him. And then Blair needs the hot tag. He's waiting for that hot tag. He gets over. Volkov runs in. Volkov is blocked off by the referee. The hot tag comes in. Blair's taking over. Referee turned around. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't. I didn't see yeah. the tag, man. Sorry. Visionary tag. Didn't see it. If and the referee, if I don't see it, it didn't happen. Get back out. The camel clutch is applied to Brunzel, but Duggan, a face, by the way, comes in and for the first time that I've ever seen it, actually uses the two by four, hits Sheik with it in clear view of the ref and costs the face the match. USA, USA. Thanks a lot, you stupid fucking Jim Duggan. <laughs> you fucking cost the USA. Duggan gets a USA chant going for the losers. So, whatever. This was awful. Fuck this. Like, why not just book Duggan in the match so he could do this or whatever? Like, you know what? We are now moments away. Yes. It is time. The irresistible force. Is meeting the immovable object. Gene is back with Andre. Andre, in his thick French accent, says, Gene, you'll see me now, and I'm going to the ring and bury me. It's not going to take me too long to come back right in the front of the camera with the world championship belt around my waist. 
Bobby. Oh, I can feel it. Oh, the adrenaline's going. This man right here is going to make me famous. He's going to become the heavyweight champion of the world, and I'm going to go down the history books as the manager of the world's heavyweight champion. I'm ready. Hogan, you better be ready. I'm going to come back with the belt. I can't, I can't do it. I'll include it. Andre just says he's going to come back with the belt, and Bobby says, You Ooh. see me now, but in a few minutes, I will come back with the belt. Bobby says, oh, I can feel it. It's brother against brother, despite these two men not being related at all. <laughs> I would hope not, because they, they come from a long different paths. <laughs> they replay the history of Hogan and Andre, of course, on Piper's Pit. Andre challenged Hogan, and H- Hogan, no, man, don't do it, brother. Don't do it, brother. And, <laughs> and Andre did the unthinkable. He ripped the shirt and the crucifix. It's like ripping Superman's cape. I mean, these are the things that give Hogan his power. Yeah, you can't do it. It's not cool. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it, brother? Hogan can't stand for that. So he has to He has to face him. He's left with no choice. Back with Hogan, promo number two now, with Mean Gene. A coked up Hogan promo. <laughs> Dude, the world has been upside, turned upside down by Hulkamania, brother. Moments away from the biggest heavyweight title defense for this man ever, Hulk Hogan. You gotta be ready. Well, you know, I hope Pontiac Michigan recovers, man. I'm glad I snuck in early last night, brother. I didn't realize the interstates, the Pontiac Silverdome was in danger. Not the 90,000 plus on the inside. It's the 90,000 plus on the outside of the Silverdome. Those are the ones I'm worried about because when I get my hands on that big, nasty giant, when he faces the truth, when he feels the wrath of Hulkamania, the day the whole earth is going to shake. What are those 90,000 plus Hulkamaniacs on the outside going to think? I'm not worried about the people with the closed circuit. I'm not worried about the people all around the world. They'll see it. But the intensity of Hulkamania, the way it's turned this whole state upside down, the way the whole world's turned upside down, what are they going to think when the giant hits the ground? He feels the wrath of Hulkamania and the whole world shakes at my feet. We could conceivably blow the roof off this great facility, the Silver Dome. Right now, let's go back to the booth. This was hyped for Hogan. Like, you need to, you do need to clip. These are great Hogan promos. This was hyped even for Hogan. And so, yeah, the Hogan and the... With the... At the end, yeah. The Hogan and the, the Andre, and, and you need to put all four of those in here because I literally was looking at Hogan. I was like, dude, take a breath, please. Because he was turning blood. His heart attack. Minutes away from a heart attack here. Guest ring announcer Bob Euchre is out. Mary Hart will be the timekeeper. She's a shitty timekeeper, by the way. (laughs) Euchre does not let her speak, even though Ventura's like, are they going to let her say a few words? No, no, he doesn't. Andre comes out with Bobby Heenan, who is in a beautiful suit. Heenan dressed up for this main event. Oh, this white suit. When you think of Bobby Heenan, this is, I mean... This is just this is the image that's put in all the video games. This is like it, he just looks outstanding. This white and gold suit and and to see to see how Andre riding to the ring and all the garbage being thrown and all it's that. It's WCW 1996. It, they're pelted with garbage. It was, but I mean, it just showed how how much devotion each and every fan had for this match like how invested they were to their core about listen 
we know you've never been beaten, but like we're, we will tear this place down if you if you beat Hulkamania tonight. Hogan is out next. Whether or not he wins or loses, guess what? The winner gets a new belt tonight. They're retiring the old WWF belt tonight. And guess what the new belt is? It's not the Winged Eagle, though. No. It's the Intermediate belt. It's it's the Andre belt, basically, that was for a total of, like, what, six months, if that? Leading into the Winged Eagle. Oh yeah, this is a very short, short-lived belt yeah. because yeah, the one which that, I think is a beautiful looking well, yeah. belt. The one that yeah, because the one that Andre sells to Ted DiBiase is the Winged Eagle. Yeah, and that happens less than a year away. Yeah, they have the stare down, and I mean the stare down is used in every clip ever of WrestleMania. It's this is a, it's a time. It's it is. It's like time staying still. As you see Hogan take like two steps and he's jaw jacking Andre and Andre standing there listening and probably doesn't understand most of what he's saying because like, he's French. Like he starts hulking up right then and there. Too and, early. And like I mean and it, it really is. Someone should have told him. It really is because the irresistible force is meeting the immovable object. These two men were on a crash course that once they collided, there was no telling who was going to survive. <laughs> like, it really was to that point. And so... They shove each other. We're off and running. Andre shoves... Or, uh, Hogan shoves Andre. Andre shoves Hogan. Hogan tries to slam, but Giant just falls on him. One, two, three, in my opinion. But Hogan kicked out, ref says. Well... Joey Morella... A very young, 24-year-old Joey Morella gets to call probably the biggest match ever in his career over the likes of Dave Hepner, who had been senior referee for so long already. The whole feud going into WrestleMania 4 would be this one fall. They got they got some mileage out of this near yeah. fall here. Yeah. So, it worked out for them. Hogan now sells his back. Uh-oh. Hogan can't do a leg drop without his back, right? Andre then smashes Hogan's back with clubbing forearms. Andre slams Hogan twice, just like he's nothing. I, I love that, and he's standing over him. It's an iconic... It's it's another iconic picture. He's just saying, he's like, oh, oh, and he's like waving for Hogan to stand up, and Hogan's all, you know, beat down, and he can't. He steps on Hogan's injured back. He throws Hogan from turnbuckle to turnbuckle. He throws a shoulder block into Hogan as Heenan screams, Again! Again! Do it again! <laughs> Andre smashes him with a headbutt. Hogan slips out and Andre smashes him with his own head on the turnbuckle. Yeah. Oh, Hogan slips out and Andre smashes his own head on the turnbuckle. Uh-oh. Run into some problems. Hogan elbows Andre into the corner and chops him. Hogan throws Andre's head into the buckle and he's out on his feet, the big man. But he hasn't gone down yet. He hasn't. He has not left his feet. However, he is he is teeter, he is staggering. Hogan hits the ropes, but runs into a big boot. Then, bear hug to Hogan in the middle of the ring. Ah! Hogan reaches to the heavens, and he needs the power of Hulkamania to Hulk up. Hogan wakes up before his arm goes down for the third time, and punches out of it. He does. 
Andre no-sells shoulder tackles and chops from Hogan. And then chops Hogan down. Hogan gets kicked out of the ring. Andre, surprisingly, goes after him and he chops does. him on the outside of the ring. Andre headbutts the post. As he Hogan. goes to headbutt Hulk Hogan, Hogan moves and Andre headbutts the post. As he's propped up in the corner there outside on the ring apron, a heelish Hulk Hogan. I know. Goes a dirty heel. Goes and rips up the ring protective mats to show where Gorilla Monsoon said concrete, it was plywood, but grabs Andre and he's going to pile drive Andre the Giant on this. Jeez. Andre steps up, leans up, back flips him over. Andre gets in the ring. Hogan gets back in the ring. And Hogan finally takes the big man down with a clothesline. And the crowd goes nuts as Hulk hulks up. He does. And then... As Andre's getting up. The body slam heard around the world. As Hogan is getting pulked up, Andre gets up. Andre turns and yells, body slam. Hogan picks him up. With a lot of help. Breaks his back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to specify this. Hulk Hogan broke his own back lifting Andre the Giant. Ah, that's at this moment. That's bullshit my ass. Broke his own back. Andre helped him a lot. An- Andre couldn't hold himself up. Andre man. hooked Hogan's head to help him. He did. It's one of the most I'm helping you body slams. I mean, I know it's the biggest man ever, but it's still Hogan didn't break his back. He has a lot of back problems, but I, I don't think it came from this. Uh, okay, I'll let you ask him. He body slams him. The ground beneath the Pontiac Silverdome. Oh, uh, it's true, yeah. Registered on the Richter scale. Shakes. The waves, the typhoons around the world. All of these... Tsunamis. Tsunamis. I mean, just everywhere. The, the earth crumbled. Actually shook. As Andre is slammed. And then, to add insult to injury, hits the ropes, comes in. Big leg. The biggest leg drop heard around the world. One, two, three. And the undefeated 15-year reign of Andre the Giant has come to an end. And your winner and retaining the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion of the World, Hulk Hogan. The boyhood dream has come true once again. Wrong guy. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's time to grandstand and hot dog. This man soaks it in. He was not going to let this win go to waste. Andre gets on his cart and just looks in disbelief. Heenan is so upset. Heenan is more upset than Andre as Andre just looks bewildered by what Yo, happened. Yo, he is selling this shit for all it's worth because you know good and damn well he was happier than hell to have this match under, done and over with and to get this payday. They get pelted with garbage on their way back as well. Jesse, in my favorite moment of the night, just shits all over Hogan's hot-dogging and grandstanding as he says, all this gorilla, this is just Hogan's ego. So, I love it. Ventura now, despite seeing the greatest match ever earlier, says this, no, this was the greatest match he ever saw. 
The flashbulbs go off as Hogan's music loops, and he has his 20-minute-long celebration. Then we get highlights with Aretha Franklin, and that is it for WrestleMania 3. Wasn't a very good technically sound match, but it was important, and it was a big match feel. And sometimes that's more important than what actually happens in a match. It's just like what we said with Flair and Dusty. Flair and Dusty, if you build it the right way and put them in the ring, and they don't do... If they do three or four moves, that's good enough. Because their characters and their charisma, they can get it... Do the most with the least. And that's what these two guys did. And Hogan was... over the moon. Popular. I mean... This guy was... Fantastic. Yeah. And it was very nice of Andre to do this for for him and for the business because he didn't have to. He could have very easily been been on an undercard with Medjit wrestling Hillbilly Jim, but no. Andre did this. And he would get the title belt later that year to sell it to Ted DiBiase. So it all worked Ooh. out for him in the end. He got he is a champion, so but the one as I said earlier, my one nitpick, I think it would have been better if Hogan was the challenger and got the title for the first time, but there was no way to make that happen without a vacant title. And yeah. You weren't going to have any controversial... You, you can't... You can't give away the match for free in a fuck finish on TV and then right. and strip the belt and then do it on pay-per-view. Right. You had to have... And I, I, where I agree with you, I disagree with you because you had to have Hogan had Hogan had beaten everybody, so it was almost kind of the Goldberg mentality. It was like you, you had well, to, Andre, had you had to give him, too. you had to give him his gravest challenge ever, and so that was without a doubt one of the biggest moments. In the history of professional wrestling. So on our rating scale, where would this pay-per-view as a whole fall? With two matches that I think everyone needs to see. I think everyone needs to see I think everyone the setting. To, they need to see this from start to finish. Yeah. Where where we a, have a where we have a top. This I'm putting this as my top. Uh, this is an Andre. Wow. I mean, because this, you cannot, you cannot be a wrestling fan and not watch from start to finish WrestleMania 3. It's, it is such an iconic moment in the, in the sport of professional wrestling that there will never be another way to duplicate it. Yeah, I'll give this one a uh, Hulk Hogan. I'm not going to give it Andre the Giant because uh, there was a lot of shit on this card a lot of filler it was all it all went by quick and i can't really complain too much about it but it was filler uh you had three big matches i felt which was piper and if it didn't have that retirement stipulation would it has would it have been as over if it didn't have that stip i'm not sure but the fact that it did and the fact that he was so over and the crowd loved him so much and the crowd crowds love hair versus hair matches i mean it's just simple and uh, so that really worked. I mean, Steamboat and Macho Man, of course, and then Hogan and Andre. I think those three matches. The rest of this thing, 
I could really do it without. They re- I mean, there was... Um, I mean, I enjoyed... Well, you like the wrestling referee, I know. but. Well, no, but I'm just saying I enjoyed Jake and Honky Talk Man. Did not like that. I enjoyed Bundy. Did not like the little wrestlers. Really? Nah. I liked uh, Harley and JYD. Did not like that either. Adrian and Piper, obviously. Well, yeah, that was good. Uh, Can Dam Connection and Don Morocco. Yeah, the opening Bob match Lund. was fine. It was alright. Billy Jack and Hercules, you could have passed, in my opinion. Well, yeah, cause it, uh, there was no finish. If there was a finish... I'd probably actually say that was that would have been fourth had there been a definitive winner. You need when you put that kind of step on there, you need to have a winner. But I mean, I liked Bundy and Hillbilly and the uh, the little guys. I liked uh, Harley and JYD. I didn't care much for the Rougeau brothers and the Dream Team. Uh, I know I'm probably gonna piss some fans off on that, but. Our Canadian fans, for sure. But, um... I liked Adrian and Piper. I liked, uh... I liked Danny and the Hart Foundation versus Bulldogs and Chico. <laughs> I liked, uh... I liked Butch Reed and Coco. Savage, Steamboat, great. I mean, we talked... I can talk about that match all day long and twice on Sunday. Um... Jake and Honky, I loved. Killer Bees and... Sheik and Volkoff. Um, Killer Bees needed to be a part of this pay-per-view. That's really all it was. Sheik and Volkoff didn't have to be. The Killer Bees had to be a part of it. They were the upcoming tag team of the WWF at this time. And then Hulk and Andre. Uh, you can't... It's the biggest mo- It's the biggest match in WWE history. You, you can't... I think it's the most important one, I guess. I don't know that it's the biggest. That's up for debate, but... I mean, I do. I consider it as one of the absolute biggest. It is... Well, it's physically without, the biggest. <laughs> with, well, I'm just saying, without this match happening, it didn't take four leg drops. It didn't take four body slams. It took one body slam and one leg drop to put down the eighth wonder of the world. That shows that knowing Andre was on his way out. And this is where I'm kind of blending both the, the documentary and the career or the, the pay per view. Knowing Andre was on his way out, that really was passing the torch. And that was showing listen, this guy, he is the guy. One leg drop, one body slam took down the eighth wonder of the world. So you're not seeing four stunners or seven F5s or three attitude adjustments or 15 pedigrees you're not you got one body slam and one leg drop if it's good enough for that it should be good enough for today my name is the one and only Patrick <laughs> Young I am the greatest referee in professional wrestling history what is your pick for next week sir we're recording this uh couple days after the quote greatest royal rumble and uh quote and shit so oh hey little side note here just uh loved the entrance for uh for my boy uh titus oh man 
I could watch that all day. <laughs> it was really beautiful. And dude, the memes of like him and Shockmaster, like, are, they're hilarious. I'm seeing that shit pop up online. Yeah, anymore. I mean, people thought <laughs> Ultimo Dragon's little trip was a big deal. Like, no, <laughs> dude, I've never seen someone wipe out so badly. That goes crashing the base, into the ring. Baseball head slides don't go that fast and that far. Like, he went full blast all the way the fuck up under that ring. It's just a perfect summary of his career. <laughs> it really is. He's an athletic dude. He's got all the potential. Comes out of Georgia. Got a lot of energy. Comes out of Florida, I mean. Hyped, yeah. Yeah. Gator. Good, good. Barking. Good tag team wrestler. But just gets man, on singles career and literally just noses falls it right on in. his fucking face. <laughs> like, I mean, it's beautiful. It's just, it was perfect. It wasn't Mister Perfect, but it was perfect. <laughs> now they called this the greatest royal. They called this the greatest Royal Rumble because it had fifty men. Well, I have news for them. Uh, another organization had a sixty man battle royal they did and it was uh wcw and uh, indie shows have done much bigger battle royals like hours long with yeah tons of people but wcw had 60 men so this really uh you know wcw still 10 guys more than the greatest royal rumble it was called world war three and we will go to the 1998 the final edition of world war three which is odd that you could have multiple World War Threes. It's not World War Four, Five, and Six. It's always World War Three. Uh, a name that they definitely won't reuse, like Starcade and Clash of Champions and today's uh, political and climate. You know, you can't call something World War Three today. But sixty men battled it out. They needed three fucking rings for them, too, Patrick. Yeah. Not this one ring bullshit. No. no. They needed three, and they said, you know what? Entrances, no. Everyone get in there at the same time. And you know what they also said in 1998? They said, we don't need a world championship match on this card. Goldberg got the night off. I guess there was no one to job out when they were on the Battle Royals, so... There you go. November 22nd, 1998, at the Palace of Auburn Hills, in front of 17,670 people. It's World War Three, the greatest Royal Rumble. The real one. <laughs> and by the way, quickly, if you missed the Greatest Royal Rumble, you didn't miss anything. You didn't mi- not a damn thing. Because the only thing that happened was that Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy won the Raw Ch- Tag Team Championship, which you already knew was going to happen because the bar had been traded to SmackDown right. during this shakeup. Oh, and, and they also offended the entire audience by showing women wrestlers on the screen doing promos for their next event. Yes. So, not only did they offend the U.S. by not allowing women wrestlers to go over they there They showed some women accidentally. They showed accidentally women over there. So, they offended not only their U.S. crowd, but they offended their Saudi Arabia crowd. So, WWE as a whole fucked up. And by the way, this all goes to the detriment of Backlash, which is next week. And no one cares not a about damn, no, no one's not even talking about it. Outside of that, that tag team title being handed over, uh, Braun won uh, the greatest Royal Rumble, and which needed to happen. In my well, opinion. I know he is super over. Yeah, and Roman lost, which tells me that the heir apparent to Brock Lesnar has to be Braun Strowman. If they go, if they go back to Roman Reigns now after all this, they're, they're just fools. I mean, yeah, 
You it, have it, you have to have Braun beat Brock Lesnar for the title. If you don't, yeah, you, I mean, you you literally have wasted. I mean, you just can't get a guy chances upon chances. He's I mean, just so much more charismatic than Roman. He doesn't even have that much greater like his move set isn't that much greater, but he does move around. For a big dude, a dude that's bigger than Roman, he moves around just as well. But his his charisma, his charisma, his promos, he does comedy, he does mean stuff. The stunts they had him do with the turning over of the trucks and stuff, that's all campy fun. But it's believable, because this dude is fucking huge. It's yeah. all believable. Yeah, it's just worked. Everything... And I was one. I was a non-believer at first when they brought him in. They did those jobber matches. I thought, well, this is you know, this is not really going anywhere. But they proved me wrong. They did it the right way. They didn't rush him in. They didn't rush him to the main event. And that's they let they let it simmer on the on the stove for a little while to let people get used to him, and then just slow and let him get comfortable. Yeah, in the spotlight. You're right. And. uh yeah, I think he's definitely the, the think, heir. I think Nicholas's uh, tag partner is about to become our next Universal Champion. Just, yes, uh, and then that's his next logical feud is that Nicholas comes to challenge for the Universal title. Because, I think he should. <laughs> I want to referee that match. Anyway, that'll do it not for be, this week. I would not be fair, by the way, just so we're all clear on that. You can find us RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. And the Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook page. I'm Intern Alex, joined I'm as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always... My closing line's a closing line. Bingo, bingo. Bingo. <laughs>